Welcome to New York's Finest, Retired and Unfiltered Podcast. The mission of this podcast is to explore the life and experiences of those who at one time held a front row ticket to the greatest show on earth, policing the streets of New York City. This show hosts a wide variety of guests from all walks of life and professions, but remains centered around introducing retired members of the NYPD to our audience while having real unfiltered discussions. Please tune in each week and like and subscribe to hear true crime stories and opinions on past and present events like you've never heard them before. All right, everybody. Welcome. New York's finest retired and unfiltered podcast. This is actually Eric's show. This is going to be 265 Police Live Series. We are the experts. I put, I did the wrong start to it, but we don't edit, so we're just going to go anyway. Um, we were going to talk about the New York City Council hearing to disband SRG, and we are going to talk about that, but there's a ton of stuff going on right now. Uh, for those of you just joining us, I'm John McCary. I'm a retired NYPD lieutenant. Uh, got the most complained cop in the NYPD with me, Eric Dim. He's, he, you know, so we're, basically that's what we we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the New York City Council hearing to disband SRG. But first, we just want to go over the insanity that is the NYPD and all the news that's going on. Um, there's so much of it, Eric. I don't care. Whatever you want to start with, let's go. I mean, we've been we've been going at this for like three days already with uh with all different stuff on the internet, on Twitter account, whatever. The first thing I want to start out with is I've been getting text messages, messages through WhatsApp, and it's surrounded on this one particular cop. So I'm not trying to pick on him, but we do have to talk. It, it solidifies nepotism. It solidifies things that we've been talking about. Specifically, I think it's important that we talk about how the weight of the M shield is diminishing. And now it's even getting that we're diminishing the symbolic, iconic detective shield of the NYPD, which is considered the greatest detectives in the world at the best show on the on earth. And I, I really do believe that. I mean, Throughout my tenure in the police department, I've seen some amazing work by some of these detectives that I work hand-in-hand, especially being a lieutenant in the Special Operations Unit, an anti-crime sergeant. I worked hand-in-hand with the squad. And these detectives, I mean, are savvy. I sat through the briefs, interrogations, and, and, and the skills, the talents that they garnered throughout their time being detectives is super impressive. But it's unfortunate. It's come to a point that the department is given these discretionary promotions, and the discretionary promotion for a police officer is to detective. Now, I understand there's no other route. The department has to figure out some other route. There's a particular detective. I think his name is Joseph Ryder. He just got promoted to detective specialist. Now, I've heard some scuttlebutt, and people are very upset. And, and I, I, I understand that because when we diminish this shield and we, we just arbitrarily hand out a detective shield, we'll, we're losing the meaning behind it. And if we lose it to people that haven't it yet, then we're going to lose the people that are out there with skills that are working hard that deserve it. Now, I don't know this cop in particular. What I do know is he works in the chief department's office, I believe, in uh, public information or DCPI or, or, or 
but maybe something we just back and forth with uh, with other comics promoted to this discretionary promotion. No, I understand. He was promoted. Obviously, he can't stand up and say, hey, I don't want it. But I think he needs to tone it down a little bit. Uh, he's really defending his position because the position that he's in, it was passed around to me also the amount of arrest that he has. And his position was, well, he's doing a job that no one else does. And he comes in, you know, at nights and doing, uh, you know, on call and he's expected to do certain things. And he's one of few on one of very few on this job that can do what he does. And that may be true. I don't know what he does. And that may be very true. I'm not arguing that. And that may, he, he may be the best employee of the police department, but that's exactly that. He may be the best worker, but that doesn't make him the best cop and ultimately the best detective. We are warding down the shield. It's, it's sad. I see this over the past couple of years. We see discretionary promotions for cops who don't deserve it. Obviously, obviously, this cop has access to the chief, the police commissioner, a very high-profile position. Now, he may be doing a great job, but that doesn't make you a great detective. I saw this kid has 11 arrests in six years. Obviously, he's not in a position to make arrests because he's working at one police plaza, and that's great. You're doing a great job, and I honor that. But I don't agree with this young man being discretionary, promotioned at six years on the job with not much exposure on the street doing field work. I, I mean, it's a slap in the face to the guys that are out there. I'm I'm sure they're going to be hurt by this. And this may cur curtail them back from doing that active, proactive, intrusive police work on the field that, that ultimately, uh, you know, accredits someone from deserving a promotion. I mean, a detective, one of the, you know, the iconic shield that's in all these movies, and we're just giving out to kids. We have to find some other solution. Hey, if the kid's doing a great job and there's other people that are doing a great job as an NCO, there has to be some type of stipend or maybe a corporal position or maybe just uh, some type of funding as a police officer or maybe a police officer specialist. And that's something that has to be worked out with the union. And what I've heard in the past is that the union frowns upon that and is very reluctant to that. But to just hand out detective shields, we're diminish diminishing the shield. We've had cops that have lost their lives and were posthumously promoted to detective. We have cops that are involved in shootings and then they're promoted to detective. Cops that make amazing saves. Working at one police plaza, hey, listen, that's great. I'm sure he's I'm sure he does do a great job for them to want to promote him. And I honor that he's doing a job that no one else can do it. That's what he said. But I'm sorry, to get the rank of detective with six years on the job and you work inside the precinct, that hurts to the men and women that are out there on the street, bearing the cold, bearing the heat, out there dealing with the public, doing investigations, doing field work, arresting people in, in, in possession of loaded firearms. And the other thing I saw is that this young man has three commendations to his name. I don't know how he has three commendations when he's doing an inside gig. You know, I got a commendation. I was fighting with someone. I'll never forget. I was fighting with someone over a firearm. The firearm fell. We're fighting over who's going to get possession of this gun. And it took years to get that commendation. Where have we come to in the New York City Police Department? John, where are we at? What are your thoughts on this? I mean, I think everyone is hopping on this kid because just because the, the morale is so low at this point. I mean, he's one of thousands. Literally thousands. I over the over the course of my career, you know, obviously the kid's hooked up, right? He gets his DCPI early on, like 
He's only got six years on. He's been there most of the time, I believe. Um, he did a short stint out on the street. So he's obviously hooked up and he gets there, right? And, you know, people are pissed about that. And I get that. And I, and I 100% get that because I, I didn't get into a detail until I had like 14 years on the job. So I totally understand that. But, but I also know that I also know that if I was offered something very early on, a gig like that, I would have probably did it too. You know what I mean? So I don't, I don't hold him solely accountable for it. Now, I don't know. You said that he, he said he has some special skills or whatever. Everybody was sending it to me, asking me to share it. I was like, I'm not going to slander the kid. I don't, I don't, I understand why you're upset. And I think, and I agree with you that, you know, the shield is already watered down. The shield's already, I mean, we have first graders in community affairs. I know, I know a few of them, you know what I mean? Um, (laughs) It's, I mean, do they deserve a detective shield? I don't think so. I mean, ESU guys definitely deserve more money. Um, there's some knock about them having a detective shield, but I'm like, if anybody deserves a detective shield, it's going to be emergency service people, specialists. Um, but, you know, my thing with, with going after him totally is I ask, and a, lot, and a lot of it's a lot of young guys too that are attacking him. Would, would, you, would you turn down that job if you got off of it? And would you turn down that shield? And, I'm going to say you wouldn't. I know I wouldn't. I mean, maybe you'll get a very, very select few of guys that are like, no, I want to earn my shield. Uh, but again, I, I don't know. Like, I think the shield is watered down. I think that he is just an example of everything that's wrong and everybody's kind of picking on the kid. And I kind of feel bad for him. I do. I'm not going to lie. I kind of feel bad for him. Um, you know, he celebrated a little bit on his post. I mean, good fam. It's a happy day. He got promoted. You know, I've seen SDS, you know, and when I was in IAB, SDS, I swear, I, I said it stood for slight down syndrome. You know, I, you know, like I'm like, this is this is like I, I was like, I don't understand why these guys are getting why these guys are getting special special assignment money. I don't understand that. You know, I didn't understand why they were getting sergeant detective squad. You got guys in squads that aren't getting second grade and first grade, but if they go inside. You know, they'll 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 be closer. They'll be closer to the thing. When all the years I did on the street, I was never eligible to get the money as a cop to move up to detective to get specialists. They didn't even they weren't even doing that when I was there or in the same as as a sergeant. uh, I would have been special assignment because I was on patrol. I didn't go into an investigative unit. I was never eligible for the money until I was in IAB. And then the closest I came to the money was right at the end of my career when I was in facilities as the ICO. I mean, it's a joke. You know what I mean? Uh, but the, it's it's the reality of the police department today. Is it, so like do, for, for me to sit there and blame him, I I won't. You know because there's probably I'm gonna say it's an overwhelming, a very large, overwhelming amount of people who have special assignment money, who have whether it's in any rank, whether it's lieutenant, sergeant, or or detective shields and grade really are not people that that got it out on the street. So like for me to go after him, I'd be going after 75% of the job, I think. And I think that it's wrong for them to get it too. So like, why would I just zero in on him? You know? Well, that's, I, I don't blame him. And I do feel bad that he's in this position right now getting the heat. I think he would be better off if he remained humble from the beginning and, and, and did not publicly celebrate because he has to understand that he's now bearing a detective shield. And I mean, if he's that intelligent as he says he is, and he has the special skills and he has this job that no one else has, 
he has to understand that he's probably going to catch, you know, some envy, and there's going to be some heat, and, and there's definitely going to be some scuttlebutt. People are going to talk because you're now wearing the iconic detective shield, and he even put some type of post out where he said he's now part of, you know, the great the greatest detectives. You know, that's why, like I said, I don't blame him completely because I, I do blame him for kind of boasting about it, but I don't blame him completely because he's now in this new, the New York City Police Department. The department has changed. I say it all the time. It's the same patch, but it's a different job where he's been groomed this way. There's a sense of entitlement. And he honestly, he probably believes that he really does deserve a detective shield for the type of work that he's doing. And I'm not right. I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve recognition. I mean, this is, I used to say there's a seat for every ass on the job. There is. There's a seat for RBS. There's some guy that does a fixed post, and it's important. Someone has to do that. I used to say, thank God for those guys. I didn't want to do that. You know, I wanted the action. I wanted the adrenaline. I wanted to help the public. I wanted to do intrusive police work. I did not want to be there doing a fixed post. Someone has to work with one police blast. I, it, I didn't want it to be me. This kid found that this was the niche. That's where his ass belonged. But that doesn't mean that you deserve this, this honor. Now, Obviously, he can't turn it turn it down, and no one would. I don't expect him to. But at the same token, that's why it's important we have this podcast. We have to speak out the truth. Someone has to talk. There has to be some type of change going forward. Yes, we have to honor people like this kid. If he has a special skill, it's a job that no one else can do, that's great. You're doing a great job, but that doesn't mean you're a great detective. We have to find another way to show recognition and to compensate this young man for what he's doing, his skills. But the answer to everything is a detective show because the police department has not found another route. And from what I heard, like I said before, the PBA is usually very reluctant and shows resistance on having some type of specialist shield within the PBA. So if from what I've heard, and I, I don't know exactly, this is something that we'd have to talk to them about. But what I heard and the reason why is because they expected this type of the members. Obviously, if you have 20,000 members, that would be about five cents a person. So it doesn't make any sense. But there has to be some type of other shield, a corporal shield, or some type of recognition, or maybe something, uh, a patch on a uniform that symbolizes that you have a special skill, but not necessarily detective. Because there are detectives that are in investigative units, that are doing cases, special victims, homicide cases, and they do amazing work. They solve puzzles. Their debriefing skills, their interrogation skills are unmatched by any level from other police departments throughout the country and the entire world. The NYPD detectives are looked upon for advice from other police departments throughout the world. They're, they're seeked upon for insight. I mean, these detectives, they really are very valuable. And it's just a shame that it's diminishing in this manner. And I, and like I said, we can't totally blame this kid, but it it's foreshadowing of what's to come. I think with it, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think, you know, everyone's saying like, oh, look what's happening. I think that we've been there for over a decade. You know, I really do. I think, honestly, I think that this will take 15, 20 years to correct at this point. I think that shield is so watered down at this point. And I think all of the special assignments, listen, dude, you are a rarity. Not a lot of dude, not a lot of people got the money, especially in the lieutenant rank that were on patrol doing actual work. Yes, lieutenants in the squad got it. Yes, lieutenants in enforcement related investigative spots got it. Um, lieutenants in IAB got it, which is another crock of shit. But 
fucking they did, you know, and then wh- who are the majority of lieutenants, though? The majority of lieutenants that have the money are in a detail somewhere non-enforcement related. You know what I mean? And the same's true for the same is true for the sergeant, and the same is true for the detectives that are getting great. So we're already in it, you know. Like that's my whole thing is that you know everything has to be fair on this job, but nothing's fair, right? Everything has to be fair, but absolutely nothing's fair. So it's like the same thing. Like oh well, what, what if we had a fitness incentive? Oh, we can't have a fitness incentive for the job. We can't have a fitness incentive for the job because it's not fair that that guy's out of shape and he can't do it. Right. So, oh, so then it's fair to, to shit on me. Right. And then, you know, the, the same way, like you're saying, the same way how we're saying, well, this guy is not on patrol doing police work and he's not out there bearing the brunt of the cold nights, the long nights, the ordered overtime, constant, constant, constant. He's doing his overtime more leisurely than the rest of the people. And I'm not saying he doesn't go to details because I know all those guys get knocked out and they're doing stuff like that. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that the, the overall grind, he does not have of the average patrol cop and he didn't do it for the amount of time that the majority of us did it for. Right. And do it for some of us do it our whole careers, you know? Um, But my, my, my point is that they'll say, well, it's not fair that he's in an assignment it's not fair that he's in an assignment that he doesn't make arrests, so he has to get promoted. There has to be a path for promotion for him. So, like I said, it's it's this is the job. Everything's fair, but nothing's fair because it's all bullshit. None of it makes sense. You know, none of it. John, what would you tell? I mean, honestly, if if there was a young undercover right now on our podcast, he just he's starting out. He has 18 months, or, or she, 18 months on a track of grinding in the street, wearing a kel, hoping that his team can uh, relate to him, hoping that his ghost sees every movement that he or she is taking. Out there trying to buy drugs in some of the worst neighborhoods in New York City, going inside projects to follow the seller, and doing this for 18 months and be responsible for an entire team to make the arrest, because you're the point man. He or she is the point man, so that everyone makes arrests, everyone makes overtime. What do we? What would you tell that young, enthusiastic, you know, uh, cop that's trying to become a detective through the undercover route, the UC route, and he or she has eighteen months to go, and now he sees that this cop was promoted? What would you say? I would say you're a fucking idiot. Get completely <laughs> out of that spot right now. This job does not care about you. The city of New York does not care about the work you do. It is not going to protect you or your family. I think that you're completely out of your mind. I respect the work that you do, but this is not the time to be doing that type of work. And that goes for everybody out there that's doing police work. Obviously, I mean, we're talking about opening the jails and closing Rikers Island. Nobody's getting prosecuted. Who, every arrest you make, who is, who is liable for that arrest? Who has anything to lose in that arrest? A criminal? No, you do. You do. I mean, I mean, I, I sat at that city council hearing. I mean, I, I, and a lot of you guys watched it. I didn't even know that you guys would. A lot of you guys watched it. I mean, you've seen what was going, the talk that was happening. These are our elected officials. They hate our guts, and they don't even have a basis of why they do it. They're just sitting here saying we're a completely racist department, and we're picking on black and, black and brown people when it's a complete lie and farce. 
and no one's standing up and the and, and the leadership in the job won't even sit there and defend you. I, I mean, I mean, I th- at this point, I mean, I get it. I get it. Listen, you're doing you're, you're out there. You're doing God's work. I get it. But listen, it's bad right now, man. It's really bad. So honestly, I, I, I it, that's not to me. I don't even see that as a, I don't even see, you know, and I hate to pick on the undercovers because I have I, I, I unfortunately know a lot of them right, right now. And I, I've, I've told them this years ago and they could tell you I've told them 10 years ago. Don't fucking do this job. The minute the Blasio came in. I said, this job is over. Proactive policing is over. <clears throat> getting it pulled, we're getting the wool pulled over our eyes. Politically, they are making a move to abolish the police. Nothing matters anymore. The truth doesn't matter. The job you do doesn't matter. Who you are, you're, you're, if you come in every day. And, and you know, I, I saw a post t- today of a, a guy. It was a clown getting dressed. And each step was, I'm going to work hard and never go sick so that I could get my shield. And I'm like, you know what? That was me for a long time. It was me for the majority of my career. That was you. That was you for longer than most people, Eric. I mean, that was that's a lot of people on this job. You know, you you, you put your head down. But unfortunately, the the I mean, the time when we were were cops, you could still put your head down and work hard and get something and make connections. Now, with a dwindling down department, I mean, patrols diminished. And 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 you said it before. Pretty soon, we're going to see guys in the squad suiting up to go in Sector Adam. I mean, that's I'm very confident. I am very confident that the detectives that are in the squad right now, and probably most of the police department in these specialized units, they will be called upon pretty soon. They'll be coming to work, and they're going to be like, hold on a minute. Forget the casework. You're Sector Adam today. You know, you two over there, you're supposed to investigate that burglary. You're Sector Boy today. I'm pretty confident that's coming. And you know what? Maybe it's there already. I haven't heard about it, but I'm pretty sure that's coming. If if it hasn't been there yet, or in some type of facet, well, I, I can tell you, you're 100 right. I would tell the same thing to an undercover right now. It, it's just not worth it. The the shield that you're going to bear is of the same value of the shield of this young man that just got promoted. Like I said, it's not his fault. He can't throw it away. But that it's the job of our leaders to come up with a solution. So that there is a dichotomy between the shields. So that we can actually differentiate. Someone else should be able to look at that uniform. That's something I really respected about the military. Is when you look at someone in, in full uniform, that uniform tells a story. Uh, John, I'm sure you're aware of that. The uniform tells a story. The medals that they bear explain combat, what type of units they've been involved in, what type of skills they have. On their sleeve is their rank. Their hash marks represent how much time they've had it in service. Their, their, the, the hats have certain types of pins, insignia that represent the skills that they have, what type of unit they're with. The uniform tells a story. And the same thing should be for the police department. The uniform should tell a story. But we're not sure what the story is right now because, John, I'm sure you think of the same thing. When I see a young man walking with a detective shield, I have to question, was this a young man that was involved in a shooting? Was this a young man that's doing casework? Is this a young man or woman out there buying drugs? Or is this someone that was working inside one police plaza that was honored with a shield because there's no other route to say thank you for the hard work that you do with some type of recognition for doing other than actual detective work? It's really sad. It diminishes it. It waters down. And the uniform, I really believe, should tell a story. 
I mean, it does in some ways, but it's not telling the right story, right? If you served in the military in the New York City Police Department, you could wear a bar bearing this, this symbol for that branch of service, right? So you would look at my uniform and say, oh, I know that guy served in the Marines. It was a red bar. But now when we look at that detective shield, we don't know what story that tells. I'll, I'll be honest. I haven't known for over a decade, probably more. I mean, you know, I mean, look at Pat Lynch's medals. Look at his. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I, I mean, and and and, and honestly, I'll, I'll be honest. I'll, I even go one further. The guys I see with the rack up to here, they're always like a traffic guy. They got a rack <laughs> up to here, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> and I, you know, I'm, I'm not to knock them, but like, you know, that's, that's another thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, well, I, you know, I, I worked with a few buffs that like did the medals. So I got medals, but I never, ever wrote myself up for a medal. I was never like, oh yeah, I'm going to get this medal. You know, I, I was never even thought like there's, I'm I'm sure that I could think of 40 collars right now that deserve medals that I, I I don't that I don't have a medal for because I never put it in and I said when I was a boss that I was gonna write my guys up but I didn't because I was so busy I never had chance but I did give them time to do it I did give them time to do it if the guys that wanted to do it I was like write yourself up I was like if you want you know you want to have a, a a big medal you know and and I, I, I think it's bullshit. I, I think the whole metal board, I think it's all biased. I think it's all bullshit. I look at guys with a lot of medals and I really even wonder what the fuck they're for. And I've always did that. I'm like, you know, I, I've, I've always did that. You know, you like you, you look at some of these these gang, these narco guys, if they really wrote their shit up, they would have they would, you know, <laughs> they'd be they'd be carrying it next to them. You know oh. what I mean? They don't. You see them in uniform. They have a fucking shield. You don't know. They don't look any different from anybody else. You know, um, you know, guys with a combat cross, obviously, in ceremonies, you guys aren't deserve that, you know, like real high recognition. Absolutely. But the, the bullshit EPDs, MPDs, accommodations, like whatever, that shit's all watered down. It's all bullshit. All right, no, it's true. I, 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 I really I did try to implement a system. I, I, I was the chairman of the board for PSA 7. When I first got the PSA 7 as a lieutenant, I noticed that they didn't have an actual board. There was one in place where they would vote on medals. So I decided to implement it. And I appointed myself as the chairman of the board. And you know, three months, we actually go right up and discuss them. And I was very critical. And the reason being, because I wanted those bars where the cops received it so that they would be value. But I was met with resistance. Some of the cops would come and complain, like, hey, why did I get a medal for this one? I said, well, we vote on it. I would tell them why. You know, we felt this was routine patrol. Or, you know, this was something not out of the ordinary. And then, well, the cops would tell me, you know, of some other cop in another precinct of getting medals for stuff that was probably completely unmatched, you know, that was even of lesser value. And they were getting medals. And I felt bad because there's no systematic, uh, there's no system implemented throughout the job uniformity when it comes to medals. It's completely subjective. You know, our, our committee at PSA 7 could vote on something and get completely different results than someone voting on something in the one 2 one priest in Staten Island because it's completely subjective. So we never had a uniformity when it comes to that. So I definitely think that's something with the police department needs to be fixed. I mean, some people were getting medals just for everything. You know? and, and sometimes I was told, hey, you know what? Uh, there were some commanders, hey, just, just give it to them. 
you know, because they wanted the kids to keep going out there doing their job. And I said, you know, we're not doing them, we're not doing them any good by saying, hey, you deserve the medal for doing your actual job. When you do something above and beyond, something that's outside the box, that's what a medal is for. I mean, everyone deserves a medal. Yes, every day you come in and put your boots on and you go out there in the street with a gun belt, absolutely. But to wear a medal, it has to be something above and beyond. Well, I, I just don't think you should put in for it. I just I just think already at that basis, you, you already <laughs> lost me. You know, you already lost me. That's it. I think that, it, honestly, when CO knows when you did a good job, right? They know it. They go through each collar every night. They know what collars are pickup collars. They know what collars solve the pattern. They know all this stuff. They see the guy that's always in there working fucking three nights processing a collar. He's always in the fucking command. He's always going to court. They know who that is. It should be incumbent on it should be incumbent on the on the commanding officer to, to say this guy's getting a medal for this, this guy's getting a medal for that. And honestly, it, it shouldn't even be it really shouldn't even go to a board or anybody. It shouldn't and, and nobody should put in for it because it is so subjective, you know. And and like I said, I, I just always had that feeling because you know that that you you like I said, the, the the biggest, hardest charges I know on this job do not have a ton of medals. They just don't. You know, right, you're right. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like they just it's don't, true. you know. Um, so you know, but well, I, I can't help to laugh right now because some of the write-ups though were pretty funny. I mean, I had cops, they they wrote up medals for making trespass collars or getting someone with a crack pipe. <laughs> really? Come on, dude. Come on. Hey, thanks for playing, brother. That's what I used to say. We used to talk amongst ourselves in the committee and read it. Like, All right, thanks for playing. You know, come on, really? You want a medal for this? I even had a, a kid one time, he wrote it up, that he was on the way to an 85. I don't even think he got there yet, but he wrote it up. <laughs> you know, but I, heard, I, I heard some good ones, man. Yeah, I pulled my gun out <laughs> on an EDP. I'm like, and what happened? Oh, no, he complied. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you I wish I would have kept you. <laughs> what the hell am I reading here? <laughs> you know, it's... uh. But uh, yeah, but, uh, but, uh, but you know, at the, on the other end of it, you know, like, dude, fucking morale's awful right now. Morale is fucking terrible, and that's why I feel bad about this kid. And I know he's in a good gig, but like, I know he's in a good gig. I know he just got promoted. It should be a happy time in his life. I don't want to fucking sit around and abuse the kid. That's why I didn't throw him on my social media. And like, the morale's awful, dude. I, I've been getting messages for, for fucking two days about the standard and assessment unit. So I, I. I <laughs> So I forget. One kid told me he had he had a a part in his hair. He has a part, and they wanted to bang him out for having a part in his hair. You know, was like it, fucking, was it to the left or to the right? That makes it. I mean, just insane shit. They went to the same Patty's Day parade in Queens and the same Patty's Day in Staten Island, and they just hammered everybody. Everybody and dude, I'm big on uniform and I'm big on appearance. And I get some guys look like a fucking mess. Like I said, with that stupid Nick cap, but that's the job now. That's just my personal. I just don't like it. Right? That's the job. I don't like the scruffy beard, and I get it. But that's the job now. They opened up Pandora's box because one person found a fucking uh, a verse that oh, you could have your beard, and I had no problem with the beard, but it should be kept trimmed. Right. But but my thing is, 
we've had two suicides very recently. We've actually had four, th- one attempted. So th- three that completed the job, one guy that that's recovering. I hope he makes a full recovery. Um, morale's in, in the fucking toilet bowl. And we start another inspection unit in the most scrutinized job in the entire world. There is nobody, in my opinion, there is no job that is more scrutinized than this job. Oh, you're 100% right. First of all, for our viewers, if they understand, cops know this already, but for anyone that's not a cop, if you're a cop in an outside agency, not only do we have, we have internal affairs, right? So internal affairs is our NYPD internal investigation unit. We have an inspections unit, which is an internal investigations unit to inspect minor violations. We then have what's been implement, implemented uh, along with the body cameras, right? And after the federal monitor is the risk management unit. And the risk management, not only is it comprised of cops, but I would say probably the, the latter part of it is comprised of civilians and also civilian attorneys. Then also, in addition to that, every precinct has on their own level an integrity control officer. In addition to that, when you're out there on patrol, the chief of department has their own investigative unit, their own inspections unit that drives around in the field auditing police officers to make sure that they're doing domestic violence calls correctly. We also have the Civilian Complaint Review Board, which we cannot forget about, which is an independent watchdog. We also have the DOI, Department of Investigations, which coincides with the Inspector General. And then we also have the State Attorney General. And it's funny, you know, that we're bringing this up right now because I want to mention the State Attorney General's office. I got a phone call today. You know, I can't get away from this job. I'm in retirement. And I'm trying to, you know, leave some of that stuff behind, but it just keeps up haunting you. But you know what? I guess that's why I'm doing this podcast and I found my path to talk about the truth in the police department. And sure enough, we've all read in the papers that there's a big settlement going on right now. New York City Council is cheering for the rioters getting coin. You and I have made tweets about this. We've been pretty adamant and vocalized what we feel about this. The atrocity, the out-of-towners came to New York City to start a fight, and they got paid for it. I was telling you the other day offline, John, can you imagine? I I decided to come to your house. I rang your doorbell. You opened the door. I punched you in the face, but then you kicked my ass because I deserved it, and then I get paid 21500 If that was the case, I'd ring a lot of doorbells. But that's exactly what happened. Out-of-towners ter- out came to New York City to initiate a riot, they antagonized, they elicited a response from the New York City Police Department, and that response was provided by taking action, violence was met with violence, and arrests were made, and summonses were issued. And these particular out-of-towners that initiated this response were paid for their time. And that's why I had put out a a tweet. New York City Police Department is hiring. Out-of-towners, come to New York City, riot, and you will be paid too. So sure enough, I got a call today. I have to do a deposition. I have to have a prep that's going to be five hours, a deposition for seven hours for the lawsuits that are emanating from the June 4, 2020 riots that emanated from the South Bronx. 
And the irony to is, so I said, I thought this was in the papers. I thought this was settled. And what the law department had indicated to me was that some of the cases were settled. So this actual lawsuit was initiated by the state attorney general's office. is suing the NYPD and along with that various civilian entities that were at the riot, along with these groups that they've taken part in to sue the New York City Police Department. So it's just, it's just crazy that the, our own state attorney general's office has turned on the NYPD. The politics, the legislative body that we have seen is ultimately about abolishing the police. So we need our cops to see that. There's no appreciation for doing police work right now. So you know what? That's why we shouldn't knock this kid too much. He did the right thing. He got himself off the street. He got himself a good job. And you know what? He got promoted for it. So who's the smart one? Maybe he's a smart one. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell a young man or woman. I want to tell him, be a cop. Because I always had so much pride. Go out there. Don't be the RP coordinator. Don't be the plant manager. You didn't watch. You We all watch cops when we were kids. You didn't want to watch a cop show and do paperwork. You want to go out there and chase the bad guy. But I don't know if that's a story that we would tell kids anymore. I wouldn't tell my son that. I mean, and obviously no chief is telling their son that either. They're getting their sons right off patrol and they're getting them right in and they're getting shields way before this kid. Way before. This kid looks like a seasoned veteran out there compared to these guys that are going into the squad and getting shields and they'll be in intel as soon as they get their shield, if not prior to them actually getting the shield. They'll be tucked away somewhere and they'll have a nice fancy title somewhere in in a in an enforcement unit that they never do a fucking thing in. Um, so, you know, it's, and, and that's always, and like I said, it's always been true. It's, it really has. And I'm not saying that it's right. I'm not, but like what we're seeing now, the, the, the coming back on everything, it's, you know, everybody's out like the, the numbers on this job, like how many guys right now are waiting to get three quarters that they're, they're waiting to get three quarters. They're already approved for three quarters. And they're just like, I don't know what's going on. It's been a year. It's been two years. It's been whatever. And I'm just making a ton more money. And my numbers are going up through the roof and they won't release me. You know what's going on? They're not showing you the real numbers. It's more headcount. Oh, we got 5,000 guys. We got, you know, no, you don't. You don't have that many guys. You know what I mean? Those guys are injured and they're waiting to get the hell off the job. And, you know, it, it's, and, and, and look at you, Eric. Look at this. 2020, you're retired. You're still going for depositions. And if you don't show up, You'll be sued personally for this. Yes. You'll be sued personally. And for what? This is the response. There was a riot that day. There were bricks thrown at you. Urine thrown at you. Someone tried to throw a wheelbarrow at you. You saved people in the midst of it. It was fucking further instigated by a chief who's retired, who's uninvolved, and name isn't in anything, Chief Monahan, who was on the scene that day and enforced the curfew that led to the pushback, that led to everything. And and who's left holding the bag? You are. You're yes. left holding the bag, and so are 86 other officers that day. And you're 100% right. This is what happens when you riot in New York City. You come in from fucking Ohio. You come here, you riot. You treat the cops like shit. You assault the cops. You assault innocent people. You destroy property. You throw things, and you get paid. And not only do you get paid, you become <laughs> and then you have the media and you have all of our politicians saying, oh, this should have never happened. The cops instigated it that day. It's a fucking joke. It's a joke. And, and that was my whole point in like the, in the city council here. And that was my whole, whole point that 
why there's been thousands and thousands of protests since that June 4, 2020 riot. How come, how come no officers are, are, are just running out and beating the shit out of people and arresting them for no reason? How come? Because those aren't riots. Those are protests. That was a riot. That's what happens in a riot. And now we know at the NYPD what happens when we, when we put our officers into the situation to quell a riot. What happens? You get charges. You get potentially fired. And you, and you get left holding the bag for something you were sent to for doing your job. That's what happens to you. That's what happens. That's the NYPD. That's the reality of this job. So I laugh at all these executives that we talk to often that tell us still a great job. No, it's fucking not. No, it's not. Not still a great fucking job. It is not. It is not. And that's why everybody wants to leave. They're holding on to this old ideology. Yes, it was a great job. It was the best job ever. It was. But it's no longer. It's unrecognizable. It's almost like Jekyll and Hyde. It's, too, it's this, you know, that's what I say. Same patch, different job. Or, you know what? Same person, but di two different personalities. The personality of the job that we saw when we first came on is unrecognizable to the personality that we see now. It's, it's completely different. And it's embarrassing. Every day, every day we see the stuff implemented. We see the hypocrisies. I mean, the hypocrisy that we see, that we still continue to see, the the uh, the persecution of Sal Greco that I see, it's just despicable. That it just keeps going on. And the NYPD just carries himself in a manner that it's obvious that the NYPD thinks that they, you know what? that they do not have to follow rules, that they can play the game in any way they choose. And it, it, it's it's really a misuse of power. And the way that they have treated Sal Greco, I can't wait to see the day that he has his voice in court and he's heard. And ultimately, he wins. He has to win. This is an atrocity of what we saw of how Cardi B was paraded around the NYPD as as some type of of role model for our youth, especially our girls with girl talk, a known gang member who didn't even want to be there. Sal Greco was a 14-year veteran. And I remember, I think he said he had 300 somewhat arrests. He was a very active police officer. He was engaged in doing his job with pride. Uh, I, I mean, and he, his... Friendship, association with Roger Stone cost him his life, cost him his career. And yet we see chiefs on the job and we have a 4A precinct commanding officer parading the idea of Cardi B being a role model, being in our most precious locations of the NYPD. The hypocrisy is despicable. And I just want to say, I want to see Sal Greco win. I, that has to happen. Sal Greco represents every cop that's out there right now because your First Amendment has been shunned. And it just solidifies that the police department plays a game, and every time they play these games, they manipulate the rules. It's interesting. I always wonder. I said, why do they – for years, I always said to myself, why do they call it a patrol guide? It's exactly – that's this is the reason, because the NYPD can guide the rules in any manner they want. They guide the rules so that – Sal Greco 
could face penalty and ultimately with the disciplinary matrix termination. And when it came to Chief Holmes, the patrol guide was guided in a different direction. A hypocrisy. The, the NYPD is an embarrassment. And the, the way they've mistreated Sal Greco is, to, to me, I think it's a crime of humanity. 100%. It was completely illegal. If New York is not under tyrannical rule and it's not systematically corrupt, Sal Greco will be a millionaire. If he's not, then those two statements I just made are true. New York is under tyrannical rule and it is systemically corrupt. Because so many laws and procedures were violated. Um, it's not even fair. They ruined this kid's life. They probably had their copy and pasted twit, tweet that they were going to put out for his fucking suicide. Like the other people that have been driven to suicide on this job before the lack of care that they give a shit about people. You know, and 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 it just it just even 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 the last kid, you know, I and I know he was in a shooting, and I and I know post traumatic stress is bad, and and I'm just, and again I'm gonna say it, every cop who's been on that street for for a decade has post traumatic stress. I don't care whether you how you feel about it, whether you know it or not. I know I know everyone I speak to, you know, experiences it. You know, um, short temper, anxiety. Uh, depression, feelings of hopelessness, can't sleep, trouble sleeping, million different things, right? Million different things. We defeat it mainly through reading, working out, physically active, family, friends, all of these things, our faith, all of these things, that's how that stuff's defeated and you move on in life, right? But, you know, we saw him him go and again, it's just, it's just a copy and paste it's a copy and paste message every fucking time with these organizations that aren't happening. And again, I, like I said, I heard good things about health and wellness, but they cannot fucking help you when you're getting, when you go to health and wellness and they protect you for three days and then they're throwing you on the TS or they're rushing you back to work. It didn't out of that health and wellness's hands, right? Like they don't have the tools and the ability to, to stop these suicides. And it's very obvious. It's very obvious what's going on. And in the height of all of this, in the height of all this pressure and all the shit that's going on, they put another fucking inspections unit out there, dude. Another inspections unit. Like I, I like I, I can't say it enough. And and from what I hear, I don't know the guy personally, they are uh, Inspector O'Hare. Everyone says he's a jerk off. I don't, I don't know him personally, but everybody is messaging me. That guy's a fucking asshole. And like I always say, I take everything with a grain of salt, right? Because I'll get people that say you're an asshole. You'll get people that say I'm an asshole. But I always find there's some truth when everyone I know is like, that guy's a fucking jerk off. You know? And then I'm like, okay. He, more than likely, he probably is. You know what I mean? I don't know. He might not be. Whatever. So you put that you put a guy who's obviously a hard charger, who's obviously been doing his his uh, his work on comp discipline. You put him in charge of that unit and you put him in charge of that unit for a reason. Right. To scare cops, which, again, if you want cops to get straightened out, you're seeing issues with them being on their phones or maybe not having their sticker on their phone or something <laughs> like that. And you, and you need to straighten that out right away. You're going to take a guy like that and you're going to throw him out there and that. And I get it. I'm, I'm big on the, I'm, I, I am. I think your appearance is everything. I think you should be neat. However, Eric, I'm the police commissioner. I put you in charge of this unit. And I'm like, Eric, I know you're a hard worker. 
I need you to get these guys in shape. I need their beards clean. I need their boots clean. I need them not looking like they're homeless. What are you doing your first weekend of St. Patty Day details? What are you telling your staff to go out and do? Well, if you're you're in this kind of position, obviously you're going to go out there and you're going to be a hammer. The cops are going to be the nail because you want to keep this position. You want to show the PC that you are the man for the job and that you're going to show her that you're going to be part of this change. And that this unit serves extreme purpose, that it has significance. It has significance and it has purpose. Because if it didn't, then this unit would be disbanded utterly quick, uh, quickly. So he has to put on a show. Uh, for better for better terms, I would say he has to put on some type of show. I, I think that this the department is under extreme scrutiny. There's no other organization I can think of that faces so much micromanagement. And everything I learned when I was in the Marine Corps, I went to officer cannon school and learned about leadership. I've read numerous books about leadership. And all the books that I have read, it always talks how micromanaging is the most least effective tool. It's actually an ineffective tool of leadership. Why? Because it curbs critical thinking. If we, if you are so micromanaged, you're frozen. You're, you work in fear. You cannot make decisions because the only, anytime that you want to think outside the box, you have to think, well, will I get in trouble? Will I face some type of dis discipline or penalty? So anytime you're in a position that you're being micromanaged, it curbs critical thinking. It creates fear. It's not positivity. We need a positive environment. There could be another way to address this uniform issue, dress problems with appearance by making incentives. You know what? If your uniform looks good, you know what? It's it's points to get into uh, maybe to get to a, a, a towards your specialized unit or someone to help you in an interview. Maybe it's points uh, towards your test. You know, maybe it's a, a, a letter that goes in your file to your commanding officer. But to to be utilized as a punitive tool, all it does is just create fear. And the cops are now focused more on their appearance. They're focused more on being kind to the public because of CCRB. They're focused on making sure they don't use force because of internal affairs, making sure that they apply the body cameras appropriately for the risk management unit, making sure that they have black socks for the inspections unit, making sure that their overtime slips are filled out properly for the integrity control officer. This is the life in the day of a New York City police officer right now. I don't know how you spend your day actually thinking about intrusive police work and how to curb crime when this is what you think about. It's the internal pressures of the NYPD. There's no 22-year-old kid that should be taking their life that's in the New York City Police Department. A young man right now should be full of, of fire, enthusiastic, proud. He should be looking at himself in the mirror saying, look at this uniform. He should be getting girls out there. He should be proud. This should be a proud moment. All these internal pressures that normally go on with jobs or any type of employment should be rolling off his shoulder because he can't wait to come to work because it's such a great job. But no, these young men are killing themselves. I'm confident if that young man never became a police officer, he'd be alive today. So that's why I say it's the internal pressures of the NYPD that's killing these guys. And if the reporter outlets out there, the media outlets, don't want to post this, then they're not posting the truth. And they need to hear this. It's the internal pressures of the NYPD that is a contributing factor to suicide. No 22-year-old kid takes their life for absolutely no reason.
even if they're a police officer, yes, it's a straight stressful job, but they're not going to take their life unless they're going through the pressures of the NYPD in the state that it's in right now. Yeah, the micromanaging is insane. It's absolute. It's to, it's too. It's it's to a level that I don't even think anyone even knows what they're doing anymore. You know, like again, you put me in charge of that unit. A cop just committed suicide on Staten Island. The parade is literally few miles from where his funeral is. Few miles from where they're going to bury him. What do I? What am I thinking in my head? Most of these guys know him. They worked with him. They went to the academy with him or they're feeling it and they don't even know him. And they're like, what is going on? And you could see the sense of what's going on in this job. And if you can't, that that tells me that this job's completely out of touch. So I'm just saying, if it's me, if the police commissioner put me in that spot and I had a team of guys, I would say, go out there and threaten every single one of those guys. Take their name down, take their tax number down, anyone that you see and tell them next time I see you, you get in a CD. I wouldn't go out there. Oh, look what I did, boss. I gave you 40 CDs. I just wouldn't. I don't believe in it. I really don't. I don't believe it. And I get, and but I do get that if I did tell you to do something and you don't do it and you don't correct the problem, 100%. Then I have, I don't feel bad for you. I don't feel bad if you didn't shave. I don't feel bad if you didn't get new boots. I don't feel bad if you didn't buy a new shirt. I don't feel bad if you didn't start, you know, if you didn't start, uh, presenting yourself in a better manner, then I, I wouldn't feel bad for you. But to just go out and send you guys out like stormtroopers to crush everybody, that's the problem that we're having with everything on this job. Everything is, that's a great idea. Implement it. Let's not worry about any implications of anything. Um, and, and everybody's miserable, dude. I, I, I'm telling you, I don't talk to anybody that's not miserable. Even, even the sergeants now, the sergeants and lieutenants, miserable. I don't care if you're the SOL, I don't care what your job is. You're doing patrol. Everybody's doing patrol. They're so short-staffed. And now you have sergeants that are career patrol sergeant guys, right? That's what they do. They don't They don't like the desk. People don't like I hated the fucking desk. I think I did the desk four times. I, I am a conscientious person. I don't like being at that desk. I don't like all the people coming in and out. I, I, I get a sick attitude. I yell at everybody. I chase everybody out of the station house. I don't like doing the fucking desk. It's not for me. It's not good for me. I don't like dealing with the public coming in and all the stupid phone calls and everything else. I'm just, it's just not for me. I don't, always was a patrol guy. But now you get these patrol sergeants and they have to stay on the desk. They have to stay on the desk because the lieutenant now must go up, which violates the patrol guy. Because by the patrol guide, the lieutenant should stay in. You know, I don't even understand why the PC would feel it's necessary to implement this type of unit. Standards and assessment unit. If anyone should be responsible for setting the standard for that day on a detail, should be the immediate supervisor. And as far as assessing the cops, it should be all the supervisors that are there. This unit is completely unnecessary. It's just another unit creating jobs that could be that do not need to be filled. Again, we take people away from doing patrol type work, field work, for, by having more assessment, by having more oversight. It's enough. If you're think about it, you're a young police officer, and you put that uniform and you head out to the detail. You have your direct sergeant. 
You have the other supervisors that are there. You have the assessment unit, inspection, internal affairs, civilian complaint review board, risk management, all this oversight over your head. I mean, you can't even move left. You can't even move right. This is absolutely ridiculous. The pressure that they must have in their head. Obviously, they're not focusing on potential perpetrators, potential adversaries. They're there at a parade. And what they should be doing at a parade, the discussion should be, hey, we're at a parade, right? There's a mass amount of people. There are people here celebrating. We need to form a baseline and understand what this parade is going to look like. And if someone is not fitting that baseline, we need to draw our attention to it. That's how we keep people safe. That's intrusive police work. But no, we're more concerned of how do we appear? Where are we standing? Who are we reporting to? Because everyone on this job has a big ego because they lack leadership. Effective leaders, strong leaders are not concerned with their egos. So this particular inspector, O'Hare, I'm sure he's filling his ego with this unit by telling the PC, we got you. Don't worry. We're going to go hammer them. You know what? John, you and I would be thrown out of that uniform the first day because we wouldn't be hammering these cops. We would try to be positive, influential, be mentors, make these guys want these men and women appear better. I used to get my men and women to have the best appearance, to be the smartest cops out there. They would read case law constantly. And I didn't do it with a whip by punishing them. I did it by being influential, by being a mentor to them, by promoting them, by exploiting their skills. That's leadership. Where's the leadership on this job? It's just oversight, micromanaged. And that's that, that all we do is we have a cop that's present, but his mind is not even there. He's not there focusing on the parade route and fo focusing on the adversaries and the potential perpetrators to keep himself or her herself safe. He or she is focused on his color of his boots. Are they shined? His uniform, his or her beard. These things are important, but that's something that could have been implemented in the, in the police academy. That's the time to implement that. When they're out in the street, it's a bit too late. Yeah, but I got one better for you. I don't even think I would get kicked out of that unit. I think I could tell. I think I could tell my superior that hey, I set my guys out there. I warned and admonished them. If I run into any repeat offenders, I'm gonna I'm gonna write them. I'm gonna issue them CDs. But this is gonna be cleaned up. And I and I truly believe I could clean up the appearances of what of what if it's if it's a reasonable request, right? If it's reasonable, you know, to sit. Oh, a guy's on a parade. He can't fucking talk to another guy. No. That's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. I, I actually, at some point, I don't want people gathering at five, you know, five people together. But if you're standing next to another officer having a conversation, come on. You're at that parade for 12, 15, 16 hours. You want a guy to stand by himself like a robot? It's not happening. You know, if, if it's reasonable request, the guys look messy, they're, they're not dressed properly, the uniforms are dirty. Absolutely. You could clean that up. You could clean that up through using warning talking to people and discipline at last resort discipline not right to the not right to discipline but you you know you just made me think of something which is the life of a cop right the life of a cop today in new york city and the nypd and, and it's been this way for years by the way it's, it's just significantly significantly worse now so you you come in every day you stand roll call you got to make sure your uniform's good you get your assignment you don't know what your assignment is um, you're definitely going to get ordered overtime that weekend so your day your days off are going to be taken from you you're going to get ordered to stay after that time overtime too so you're not going to go home on time you're tired you don't eat right because the radio's jumping and you don't get anything so you go to a job you go to a domestic violence job right let's just say it's a domestic 
violence job. It turns out to be a felony assault. You take the report, you take a 61, you have an arrest, you take a DIR, you do an aided card. The 61, which is the complainant report, will be scrutinized by the Comstat unit, will be scrutinized by a CO because it's a felony. The desk officer and the platoon commander will be asking you to change it. Oh, why is it a felony? It should be this. It should be that. We're up. We can't take these numbers, blah, 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 blah. But every letter on that is going to be questioned, right? Everything you wrote on that. The DIR is going to be scrutinized eight way to Sunday by the DV sergeant, by the DV inspections unit, by the chief of department's DV inspection unit. All those reports are going to be checked by the, the inspections unit. Your body camera is going to be checked by your sergeant, your platoon commander, the commanding officer, the risk of management, uh, the CCRB, the uh, internal affairs. You're, now you have the arrest. You have the arrest. You have to make the arrest. You have to process the guy's arrest. More than likely, guy's going to file a complaint on you. You're going to have an IAB investigation. You're going to have a. You're going to have a, an inspections investigation against you. You're going to have a CCRB investigation against you. So now you have all that looming over your head at the same time. You're going to voucher all that property. Maybe allegations are made that you stole some of that property. Everything's going to be checked again. If you mess up one hair on that on that on that voucher, you're getting a CD. 100%. By the time it goes down to the lab or whatever it goes, you're getting you're getting a CD. And again, it just moves up through the ranks. At the end of the day, the district attorney is going to drop that case. You're going to be left holding that bag forever. Maybe a lawsuit stems out of it. And maybe three years later, when you're retired, you're going to be sitting here with me and Eric Tim telling us how you retired and you got to report down to corporation counsel and you got to go to a disposition because fucking... All this shit and all these arrests that you dealt with for your whole career that you went out to do the job. Oh, and by the way, I missed the one. I missed the whole one. And then doesn't matter that I was at work six days in a row and I didn't fucking sleep and I didn't even have time to do laundry and I didn't even have fucking time to shave because I've been at work for three days and I was fucking throwing up in the back because I didn't even sleep that. I didn't even sleep that good. None of that matters because now I have the new assessment unit that's going to give me a fucking CD. It's how nobody could see the scrutiny. Most of these people should just be a cop for a day. They should just go out on patrol for a day the police commissioner, the chief of department, the chief of patrol, they should see what it's really fucking like for these guys because it's brutal. It's brutal, and that's why people are fleeing in droves. And that's why you're holding on to guys who had heart attacks and whatever else to fluff your numbers up because you're fucking failures. You just highlighted the negativity, the pressure that a cop is feeling on a daily basis, and that's for one call. And any prison in New York City, that's for one call. That was a hundred percent. What you just articulated and what you explained is so true. That's for one call. If you're right, it's sector Adam. I don't care if it's the slowest precinct in New York City or the biggest precinct. Every precinct in New York City has its own dynamics, and they're all they are all busy in their own way. I worked in some very heavy commands. And I know people that work the slow commands, but they all have their own dynamics and they're all busy in their own ways. But if you handled in your patrol car, let's just say for one tour, 10 calls. Let's say you handle, let's, let's, let's just say that, 10 calls. Five of them were domestics. And five, five of those domestics ended up in five reports in the manner that you said. That's five different investigations. That's five different set of eyes critiquing your paperwork 
critiquing how you responded to that call, right? Because all the, the body camera footages are critiqued in the manner of you responded, how you handled that job, how you did the paperwork, how long did it take for you to do that job. And let's say the other five calls, one of them was handling a gun run, two of them were car accidents. Again, the car accidents. Watch the body camera to see how it's handled. How long did it take you to do that job? Did you do all the paperwork correctly? Do we get traffic flowing? Do we do an end search? I mean, if we have 10 calls a day and they're all micromanaged in this manner, ultimately, a cop, when he leaves, he or she leaves his tour of duty to go home, this is all weight on their shoulders until the next day, thinking, did I do the right thing? Did I leave any stones unturned? Was my paperwork proper? Did I? Well, you know what? Did I handle that job properly? I, I know they're going to watch the body camera. How is my tactics? They're going to critique my tactics also. You know, was I too aggressive? You know, was I too passive? It's a tough time to be a job. Uh, it's an extreme tough time to be a cop. And we're not giving enough slack and giving cops the benefit. We're being so critical of every little thing because we have the opportunity to slow down body camera, to actually look at paperwork and slow it down because it's in the computer and have it rearranged and analyzed. And you're 100% right. It's the scariest thing when you're a young cop and you hand a report that's a felony. It's questioned a thousand times. Why is this a felony? What do you mean why is this a felony? The complainant made certain allegations that are equivalent to a felony, and I properly document it. And, and, and it's unfortunate because if you change that report, to the cops that are listening out, out there, if you change a report to appease your commanding officer so that you make the numbers look good, God forbid something happens, the commanding officer is not going to stand and say that they told you to do it. Because when you're facing a potential arrest for fudging paperwork or, or some type of Article 78, they're not going to be there for you. You're 100% right. I mean, and, and I pointed it out to you before. And like, I, 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 no, with, 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 in particular, if you go on New York City crime stats and look at burglaries and go into individual precincts, go into precincts that were always high in burgs, like the 6 8 precinct, the 1 2 3 precinct, the 1 2 2 precinct, the 1 2 0 precinct, go through those, are, those, are, those are, are notorious for burglaries, right? Notorious commands. And you could look at the back data on those on those commands and then look at 2022 for burglaries and there's none and then look at overall in the city and then break down by commands grand larcenies and the huge drop in grand larcenies coupled with the huge spike in pettit larcenies and all that's telling me when i read that right off the bat it like slaps me in my face i'm like wait 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 so all these thefts are rising but just the felony ones are coming down. All these property things that are being stolen, but only the only only the ones that are under a thousand dollars and that aren't burglaries and that aren't felonies, only those ones are skyrocketing. I mean, it slaps me in my face. So I gotta tell you, if anybody's asking you to fudge the numbers, do not do it. They will throw you under the bus. That will be your own fucking. That will be it. That that's your decision. Same way where they said, oh. 
we're not forcing you to take the vaccine. Just sign away all your rights. And now you're injured. And you're like, oh, well, they're like, oh, no, we didn't tell you to take it. You didn't have to take it. You didn't have to take that. It's not our fault you got hurt. You signed it here willingly. Same thing. I mean, don't do it. Fuck them. Don't do it. What are they going to do to you? More than likely, you're on patrol anyway. What are they going to do to you? Change you from the midnights to the day tours or the day tours? What, 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 like, what, what are they going to do? They're not going to do anything to you. Be like, no, nah, I'm not doing it. Like, this is what it is. This is what she told me. It's on my body camera. That's it. You know, because people are yeah. looking at that body. And that's the other thing. How many people are looking at that body camera? How many people are looking at that? Everybody. Everybody. It's, it's, uh, it's really come to a pit in history with the NYPD that it's just so much critique. It's, it's just piling on the cumulative layers, the, the oversight, the, the amount of eyes that are critiquing cop. I, I can't think of any other profession. I'm sure you couldn't, John. Any other profession that gets the amount of critique that a, a police officer gets, especially a New York City police officer. And also, with this, the New York City Council, and, and I heard you at that hearing, and I thought that your speech was phenomenal. I thought it was extremely professional. It gave an insight from an actual professional that's in the law enforcement field. And and, and the New York City Council, is, is to me, is, is living total disbelief of what they expect from a, a New York City police officer. Because I, I'm curious. what I like to go back to talk about these riots. What did the New York City Council members expect? What type of response did they expect elicited by the New York City Police Department for an all-out riot that was initiated at the time of curfew that the curfew... Oh, I think we just lost Eric. But what he's talking about is what did the city council expect from a police officer? And, and I spoke about... Eric, I lost you. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go in. We lost you for a second. Okay. So uh, but this it's my take that city council, if they were thrown into those riots, they would fail miserably. They don't know what to tell you to do for your job. But Eric, I'm sorry, you broke up. Go on with what you were saying. Yeah, no, no, it's no problem. But that it's ultimately what I'm saying is what did the New York City Council expect? The response to be elicited by the New York City Police Department, ultimately the New York City Police Department has a duty to keep the residents of New York City safe. The curfew that was administered was initiated and implemented by the mayor at the time. The former mayor de Blasio implemented a curfew. And these rioters that came out of town initiated their action at the time of the curfew so that they can actually re elicit a response to the New York City Police Department. I don't understand what the New York City Council expected the police department to do. What actions do they expect them to take? And this was, again, I find it offensive when they refer to this as a protest. We have seen protests before the George Floyd riots. We have seen them afterwards. We continue to see them till present day, and we don't see the same response elicited by the police department because they are peaceful protests. What that was was an all-out riot. And what was shameful is when you spoke and they were laughing how you talked about what's factual, they have no respect for anyone, but yet they expect the police department to act in some type of manner. Yet they don't show respect themselves. I don't understand 
what solution do they think was appropriate? John, what do you think that they expect the New York City Police Department to do in a situation as such? They'll never, ever give you that answer. And 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 it's the same thing with the higher-ups on the job, too. They're never giving you what should have been or what should have happened. They're just going to let you guys fucking hang. That's all. They're going to throw you in front of the fucking bus. Here comes the bus. Boom. See you later. Fucking, they're never going to give you that answer because they can't. They can't give you that answer because the, the truth of the matter is, is that you guys did what you had to do. June 4, 2020, you did your job. You did what New York City paid you to do. You did what the public expects you to do. However, now, like we have Bill Bratton now talking about rewriting history because someone's asking a question about a video on January 6th. They're trying to rewrite history. They're painting these over and over again. All you hear is peaceful protest, right? What did Jumani Williams say? He said, Jumani Williams said, it appears that the SRG is more about suppressing speech than keeping people safe. There are 20, 30 protests a day in New York City every day. Forget George Floyd every day for 50 years. There's protests everywhere all over New York City. You do not see the response from the NYPD like that. Why? Because we're a reactive agency. We, we respond and we react to whatever is there, right? We don't just start deploying violence. We don't just start arresting people. We don't, and at this point, we don't even want to arrest anybody because we know nothing's happening. And all of our guys are going to be left getting sued, getting CCRB'd, getting shelved because they can no longer go out on the street and police effectively because they're going to get fired by an overseller CCRB, by politicians who are, are out of their mind. And, and these people, all of them, the upper echelon of this job, and all of the elected officials who sit there and scrutinize you daily cannot do your job better than you. They would fail miserably, miserably. Throw a uniform on them, not the three stars, not the four stars. Give them a cop shield. Give them a blue shirt. Throw them in sector at them with no hooks. And they got no one to, to do. And they're under all the same scrutiny that you are. And they got to fucking answer those jobs. And, every, and they're going to get CDs every time they fuck up and everything else. They don't know anyone on that. Put them in there. They fail miserably. Send them to that riot. They're, only, they're fucking pulling out their guns and shooting people. I guarantee it. Especially city council. You, you see these, these, forget it. These people are, these, these people are incompetent people. They are incompetent people. Oh, absolutely. And I say it all the time. It's true. The actions of adversaries, potential perpetrators, Everyday citizens, protesters, rioters, elicit a response from the police department. I've never seen in my career, not one time, I've never seen a compliant person get have an encounter that was met with violence, that was met physically. I've seen any time that an encounter became physical, there was a response that was elicited by the adversary, by the uh, by the uh, perpetrator, and it's funny you say that this protest every day. It's so true. I remember working in the South Bronx. I remember working in the Lower East Side. Every day, there was always maybe one or two or three people that would get together with signs on busy corners and having some protest. Even sometimes it was just uh, something about religion, where they were pro for their religion or protesting something else. 
It could have been one person, two people, three people. This was on a daily basis. People would have speakers always talking, especially the Lower East Side in Manhattan. This was a, I would say this was like the bedrock for, for people that were speaking out, protesters. And in most cases, we didn't even have to respond. Just the police officers would do their normal routine patrol and canvassing. And obviously keep an eye on it and watch it. But in most cases, it didn't even elicit an actual response or an encounter. They would make their statements. Their First Amendment was protected. They would make their speeches. But unless they actually got into a physical encounter, which was rare, it did not uh, It did not elicit a response for the New York City Police Department. They were free to roam on their own with signs, posters, speaking out loud with speakers. This was a First Amendment that was protected because they were protesting. Whatever the protest is, it doesn't have to be something that's ish, a, a, a huge issue. It could be an issue that's important to them or something with their religion. And it was protected. And the police department responded appropriately by not responding. Yeah, I mean, how many anti-police protests that we go to that are nonviolent and there's no issue? And they could say whatever the fuck they want from 20 feet away. Oh, you guys are fucking this. You guys are that. Okay. I mean, I mean, like, it, nobody got hooked. Those were riots. Those were full-blown riots in the summer of 2020. They were full-blown riots across the city. Um, and there was a lot of them. There was a lot of them across the nation. Um, and just all the footage that came out about January 6th, everyone's going nuts. Listen, I'm not a fan of any news agency. I'm not a fan of Fox. I'm not a fan of anybody. I don't trust any of these fucking news agencies as far as I could throw them. But I have a big problem with the fact that people are trying to shut down you seeing a video. I want to see everything. I want to see the videos. I want to see the videos. And me and Eric talk about it all the time. That video tells a portion. Doesn't tell the whole story. Tells like a little chapter. Maybe it doesn't even tell a chapter. Maybe it tells a portion of the chapter. But I want to see it. And why can't you see it? And it's the same thing with this podcast that people just keep attacking it, right? Again, where's Pat Lynch? Where is he? Why doesn't he want to come on here? We're supporting Corey Grable. We're supporting Corey Grable. You know what? I'm starting to because at least he had the balls enough to come on. Pat Lynch is hiding in the dark. You know, we're trying to be fed shit. You got Bill Bratton saying that Fox News is trying to uh, whatever, rewrite history. No, we're just we're, they're just asking for an open investigation. What's going on in this portion of the video? I have the same questions. Does that make me insane? No, I'm asking a fucking question. And same thing with, with you guys. You should want a question from Pat Lynch. Um, you should want him to come on here and speak to you. I don't, you know, why does he not speak to you? All of a sudden, he's going to every line organization and you're getting pens and you're getting challenge coins and you're getting all that stuff, right? Uh, telling everybody that I'm a jerk off, all this other stuff, you know, fucking why, why wouldn't he want to come on and speak to you guys? That's, that's my problem. This is an open forum. And now all of a sudden, Eric is a member of Cop Watch, and he's a part of Black Lives Matter, as, as, as well as myself, because we're going to have the Cop Watch Patrol unit on here. <laughs> I never knew I was going to join, but apparently I did. Yeah. It's quite interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely the most hated cop by the Cop Watch unit. But as the Art of War always says, you should know your enemy. Just as you know your friends, you should know your enemy. So... Cop Watch is an opposing figure to the New York City Police Department. And you know what? I don't agree with the stuff that they said, the stuff that they continue to say. I think it's inflammatory. I think most of the stuff that they say is completely childish. I think that their agenda is to make money. Uh, 
But at the same token, I will give respect and have a complete professional platform. And I want an opportunity to have an open discussion. I would like to hear how Jose LaSalle and his other constituents actually came up with the perception that they have of the New York City Police Department and policing it itself. So we have, we're going to get an opportunity to hear for themselves. It's almost like when we were kids and we would watch comics and you will learn why a comic becomes a bad figure or why a comic becomes a good figure, right? Even with kids, we learned about Batman and Joker, right? The Joker fell into a bat of, of liquid and it turns them and they become something else. So what happened to Jose LaSalle and his people that they became this? Let's find out. Let's find out what happened. We may not change their mindset, but at least we'll know the root of the problem, where it came from. And that ultimately can benefit us moving forward in the future, but at least we can have an open discussion. They can hate me all they want. That's fine. I'm going to live my life whether they like me or not. That's fine. I don't care. You know what? I don't hate them. I, I think they're unintelligent. I think they're stupid in the manner that they move. But you know what? I, I, I don't hate them. Listen, they have this is their right. If this is what they believe, who am I to tell them what, what, they believe, what to believe? But I will give them the facts and give them the opportunity to make their own uh, their own decision. And if their decision doesn't align with them, well, I'm not going to associate with them. I will never be friends uh, uh, with Top Watch Unit, but I would like to learn my enemy exactly why they move in the manner that they do and how they came to this point and why they have the perception that they do. And that should be beneficial to all the police department, all the boots on the ground as we speak right now. They should want to hear what they have to say. Uh, you do not have to respect the man, but you should show respect. And that's my plan. Absolutely. I mean, I don't listen. I, I can't stand that post. I mean, I think they rip every post I do, um, you know, and then, you know, the, the, we've had offices die. And where do they put FTP? Fuck the police. Right. So what do I put? FCW. Right. Fuck cop watch. Right. Like, you know, but it's 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 stupidity and it's childish. And, and they are an inflammatory group. And I think they're inflammatory. And I think that they're wrong in their approach. When they're stopping, when they're rolling up, when we have people stopped on the street, they're rolling up, they're jumping out of the car. They don't even know what the fuck you guys are dealing with, what it's about. And they're already under the assumption you're just stopping someone because they're black and brown. So I, I you know, I, listen, I'm all for it. I, you know me, I like to sit down. I want to talk. I don't care. I want to hear what it is. And like, and like, and exactly what Eric's saying is, is my sentiment as well. I don't, I know you're not going to think what I think but I'm going to tell you what I think and you tell me what you think. And at least we understand something about each other, right? At least we understand something about each other. I'm not saying it's going to change the world. I'm not, but I'll tell you right now, not talking and FTP and FCW, that shit's not going good. I mean, look where we're going in this neighborhood. I mean, look where we're going in these neighborhoods, man. We got nobody. We have no back. We have nobody's understanding us. The fucking upper echelon is completely exhibits zero leadership. They want to disband SRG. The city council is there, elected member, elected officials who are in charge of our budget, billions of dollars, who are in charge of laws that affect your profession. They're in charge of all of these things, creating laws, revising laws, and the police department didn't even go there to represent you. 
to say what it is, the work that you guys and girls do. The only fucking member of the New York City Police Department was me. And I am no longer anyone to speak for the New York City Police Department. I'm a retired fucking lieutenant who was, by the way, was fucking forced out of my career two years early. Right. But I still love New York City. I still love the NYPD. I still I still love you guys and girls. I don't want to see bad shit. I want and I do. And I think what Eric's saying is right. Right. We're going to get a sneak peek into what they're thinking. And the same way everyone in that city council and all the people that testified, they had all these negative, negative fucking views of the police department. And there wasn't one voice in there. I, again, I don't think I changed anything, but I might have changed one or two people's thoughts because what I did say originally when I walked in there, it was very cowardly of the New York City Police Department to, to not be there. And it was just as cowardly for these leftist Marxists in city council that got up and left when it was time to hear the people they supposedly care about. Right. They didn't he said it. I stayed around. I listened to all you guys. I stayed. And, and then I expressed my opinion. People laugh. People were talking shit. As soon as my name got announced, Whoa! I don't give a shit. I'm going to say my opinion. You say your opinion. And that's it. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's not us that changes the world, but maybe somebody hears something down the road and it's another kid and it's, it's 30 fucking years from now. And, and we, we, we brought that seed to life. Honestly, I feel sorry for the cop watch members. I feel sorry for Jose LaSalle because in my opinion, they have this belief that cops, that cops that do intrusive police work, especially in neighborhoods that I worked in, particularly the South Bronx, that white cops are out there to harm the black and brown. And I think one day they have this ideology and they're so supportive of criminals and adversaries and perpetrators in their own neighborhoods that they're actually hurting the communities and they don't know it. That's why I feel sorry for them because one day they may wake up and say, oh my God, I had this belief and, and look what I see. You know, the people that I thought I was supporting, they turned on me. It's just like... You saw the movie American History X? It was a great movie with Edward Norton. Yep. And he's part of a Nazi gang. And, and he believes that everything they do is right. And the black man is bad. But he went to prison. And he got raped by his own people. And who helped him? A young black fellow inmate was the one that helped him and protected him. And it changed his whole mindset and his perception of the organization that he was a part of. It disgusted him. He wanted to have the tattoos to watch. It may happen to happen, but it, I, I put my money on it. It may happen to Jose LaSalle or one of their members where they may wake up one day and say, I believe in this organization, and it's not what it is. It's a lie. Because when you have a belief, when you have a hatred for a particular group just because they bear a uniform or what they wear or they, what their color is, you will be sadly mistaken. You will find out that is a total lie. And that is going to hurt you. And that's my point to the cop watch. I do believe that they believe they're doing the right thing, but they're hurting their own community because they don't understand police work. Just as you said, they start filming halfway through something happening and all they see is a black or brown man or woman up against the wall getting searched, getting arrested because they don't they didn't get the uh, the beginning part of the story. And I don't know if they would because they're not police officers. They never had the opportunity. Jose LaSalle never stood with me and said, hey, why do you guys do what you do? Never ask me that. But now we may have the opportunity. Listen, this conversation that we have, it may go nowhere. But you know what? We tried. We tried. You know what? 
I fear no man. I'm not afraid of cop watch. I know you're not. I'm not afraid of anyone. And that's why I'm willing to do this. I'm willing to hear what they have to say. I may not agree with it. I can tell you right now, I won't agree with it. But you know what? I want to hear what they have to say and understand. If we understand our enemy, our oppositions, we can move further. It makes us even stronger. And that's the art of war. I, I learned that in the, in the book Sun Tzu, and that's important that we understand that. Every cop should understand that. You shouldn't just want to associate with your friends. You should want to know what the opposing parties think as well. And who knows? Maybe he will not change his mind. Maybe one day he will. Maybe it will be 20 years from now. But there may be some pinnacle moment in his life where he needs the police and it will change his mindset. Because God forbid he's in a pickle. Is it going to be a cop watch that protects him or is it going to be a police officer? To be determined, that, that point in his life would ha may happen. We never know. Yeah, but the but you know, like the mindset of you know, I know I know a lot of people are excited for the show too, so I don't want it to sound like everybody's there because there's a ton of people that are like, Yeah, I can't wait for that to happen. You know, people want to listen, people want to hear it on both sides. Yeah. On both sides, it's not just one side, it's not just the cops, it's not just the cop haters, it's not just the media. Everybody's been reaching out to me about it, you know. So everybody wants to hear this show. Um, they want to hear it talk, right? And I'm a firm believer. One thought could change your whole life, could change your whole world, could change everything it is. So, like, let's explore these thoughts. And I'm not trying to change Jose LaSalle's mind. I'm not. But like Eric's saying, like, we could maybe understand each other. And when I hear cops that are like, oh, fuck you, fuck you and Eric, you joined the cop watch, <laughs> you know, and we, you're going to let this guy on your show. You're going to give him a platform. It's the same ignorant mindset of oh we're not listening to Corey Grable because he's Eric Adams guy it's the same ignorant shit right it's like it's the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life and 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 it makes me think that you're a terrible cop because and and honestly and to be a good cop you have to want to know what other people are thinking you have to want to know Put, you have to put yourself in the shoes of everyone you're dealing with, right? You deal with people at their worst. You show up to a car accident. The guy's fighting with his fucking wife. You can tell he's agitated. His kids are in the car. He just smashed his car. He's got no money. He's working hard. He just got off work. He's dirty. Are you going to rush in and start fucking yapping at him? No. You're going to give him a moment to cool off. Sir, let me talk to you for a little bit. Blah, blah, blah. Non-incident, right? De-escalation. You go to a guy's family dispute, same thing. Italian guy, Spanish guy, black guy. You know you're not going to – you're not – you. if if you put yourself in the situation, all right, this is a machismo guy. I'm not going to talk down to him in front of his girl. I'm not going to do anything like that. I'm going to take him outside, and then I'm going to tell him what I got to tell him. Right? Uh, you know what I mean? But, like, yeah. I'm not going to do it in front of his girl because he's going to fight with me even if he doesn't want to. Even if he doesn't want to, he's going to fucking fight because you just you just embarrassed him. And you should be putting yourself in all these situations. And you should know enough to know when someone's completely emotionally disturbed and you're not going to be able to get in this person's head. The thing that we need to do is get this person in handcuffs and get them to the hospital. You should want to know that. And, and you're not going to know that when you're just shutting things out. Oh, this guy fucking hates me because I'm a cop. But maybe there's a reason they hate the police. Maybe it's warranted. You know what I mean? I, for a time in my life, I didn't like the police. I mean, I was a, I was flaked twice. I was flaked twice. I was stopped every day of my life growing up for years and years and years for nothing, for playing in the park, 
who was smoking pot in the park, all bullshit shit. But it was the TNT days. It was the broken windows just started. It was the night in the park after dark. I was hanging out in the park drinking, doing stupid shit. There's 50, 60 kids. New York City was a different place. I got fucking slammed. I got stopped for bullshit. I got tickets for playing basketball when the sun creeped down. You know what I mean? There was a, a, a time in my life where I could not stand the cops. I was like, fuck them. I fuck all of them. And it was an ignorant thought in my head. Because I, there were times that I started to interact with cops and they actually were cool. They were like, just get the fuck out of the park. Just do this. And I'm like, oh, that guy's not a bad guy. That guy's not a bad guy. But then when I grew up, I started working. I realized cops aren't that bad. It's not, it's not them. I was the asshole putting myself in the situation for them to fucking stop me. The minute I stopped putting myself in that situation, they don't bother me no more. So it was, my, it was me that was bringing all of this negativity onto me. So it really wasn't the cops. I was the asshole. And it took me to mature to realize that, you know, um, and, and, and it's, just, it's, just, it's not just police. It's not just policing, but if you carry yourself in a manner and you're always thinking that it's, that things are going to be negative, you're going to draw negative attention. I mean, you probably, maybe you have, or you had it. I'm going to assume you've had that friend. I've had that friend that no matter where they are, they get into a fight. They get into an argument with someone or they get into a fight. And you're like, man, again? And because you know that they're just negative. They draw negative attention. And negativity feeds negativity. And it goes along with cops, too. You know? Cops draw negative attention also. If we think differently, we find some balance. I do believe that. If we have positive energy. You know, sometimes I just feel like something happens throughout the day. And if I just say, yeah, no big deal. My day goes smooth. You know, it's positive energy levels. But if I have, you know, if something happens bad, I'm like, ah, and if I dwell on it, everything else becomes negative. It's the same thing. Uh, you know, I, I I would like to talk about one more thing that you talk about, liking cops. I, I will say this. You know what? We've been talking about the NYPD. We talk about the pitfalls, everything that's going on with the job right now. I can tell you this. I know it was the greatest job ever. That's why I'm going to say I love the NYPD. And I will always love the NYPD. But I don't like them right now. It's almost like I tell people, you know, sometimes you talk to people, they say, well, you know, how do you know if you're in a good relationship? Or how do you know if you should get divorced or stay together? And I always tell people this. You can love one, but you hate them. You know, we all have family members, that cousin, that distant cousin. You love them because they're your cousin, but you don't really like them. You don't want to be around him or her. They're annoying you, whatever the case is. So that's the same thing. Right now, I love the police. So I know the same thing, John. You love the NYPD. And so do I. We have a love for it. We'll always love it. But we don't like them. We don't like the way that they're operating. We don't like that there's a lack of leadership. We don't like that they don't have respect for the cops right now. They don't have respect for themselves. There's no solution on mental health. There's no solution on, on curbing these Internal pressures in the NYPD. There's no solution on disciplinary matrix. There's no solution on the CCIB. So I love the NYPD, but I don't like them. No, yeah. And I, and I, I, you know, and people think the point of this podcast is to bash the NYPD. And I'm like, it really isn't, man. It really isn't. I mean, we do. We're just talking about what we're talking about. Unfortunately, a lot of what we're talking about is negative shit. There's not too much positivity coming out. There really isn't. 
Oh, you want me to fucking celebrate that you got promoted? Like, I'm sorry, I, I'm not really seeing it. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not really seeing it. I don't, I don't know. You know, um, fucking, um, and it's just, it's, it's just, it's just, it's just a bad, it's a bad, bad time now to be a cop, and and it's, it's, it's made significantly worse because we're not allowed to talk about any of the issues that you guys face, right? Leadership is not allowed. to talk about anything that 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 eric just brought up they're not allowed to talk about suicides they're not allowed to talk about the vaccine mandate they're not allowed to talk about the disciplinary matrix they're not allowed to talk about ccrb they're not allowed to talk about the fucking insane wackos in city council right and that's what we're doing here and everyone's like and that's why people are listening and but that's also why we're the victim of so much fucking bullshit you know i i mean and i put it out there on social media if anyone's listening to this i'm hoping these audios get out quick um you know we got locked out of our whole audios apple spotify all that i don't know how it happened but we got hacked i and so if anything changes anyone notices anything in the old episodes let me know i'll go through it as thoroughly as i can so will eric to make sure that nothing got changed um i'm hoping to have it corrected by tomorrow morning um, obviously my Instagram was hacked not too long ago. Somebody cloned me. They got themselves. I think they had more followers than I had. <laughs> um, well, if, crazy, if they stop being stuff. nice, they don't, if they stop being nice, they're like, all right, this is not McCary. This is not John McCary. Who is this? <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was, you know, so like we, you know, and we're just talking about those things that you like, like I said, you know, there's like, like Eric said, he, he put the statement out. You know, whenever a cop has committed suicide the last probably seven or eight times, you know, the media reaches out. And so they look looking for a quote. So I, I just keep giving Eric Dim's quote and they won't publish it. And I say it's not law. It's not the profession of law enforcement that's killing people. It is the internal pressures of NYPD news that is. Uh, and I quote Eric Dim and I put it in hashtags and I put Eric Dim, you know, um, but nobody will print it. And it, it really is the truth. And those internal pressures, the leadership's not allowed to talk about. So they're not the leadership. They're the managers. They're just bringing down the bullshit, you know. And, and, and even another thing, I saw transit crimes down 26% since the beginning of the year, right? Because he's got everybody writing old summonses. It's great. It's good. Those summonses mean bullshit. But what does that prove? What does that prove? Broken windows works. That's what that proves is Mayor Adams' only solution to bring down crime is broken windows with some piece of paper that's worth nothing. But even just giving someone a piece of paper that's worth absolutely nothing brings crime down that much. It gives the appearance that we're there. It restores the omnipresence in the transit system, right? But they're unwilling to talk about that. No, what is that? It's Mayor Adams' plan. No, it's not. That's fucking broken windows theory. It's not Mayor Adams' plan. Something around plan. They flooded you. They're working you guys to death. They have cops everywhere, just like the impact days. And they're stopping people from minor crimes, hopping the turnstile, littering, loitering, and then drinking, doing whatever in transit that you're not supposed to. And you're getting the summons for broken windows works. Obviously, 26% decrease in crime. Nothing, not, nothing revolutionary is being done here. Nothing's going to happen to any of those people that got the oath. But even with just that, Crime came down. Did you see that, Eric? But, but, but they did say as long as you don't compare 2021. All right. For some reason, 
It's okay. We just take the two. Oh, they took. I didn't. I didn't catch that part. Yeah, you you got you got to look at it again. Chief Kepper uh, put his stamp on that one again. No, that this dates back to yeah, best crime. But if you don't look at 2021, somehow 2021, we just said you know what that year doesn't count. I, I love it. That's like if this year we're up 100 percent in crime. You know what? This year's not gonna count. I think it counts to the people that are riding the train right now. But I agree with you. It shows omnipresence is an important factor, but is never going to curb crime in the matter that broken windows theory does. Broken windows is not Adam's plan. That's the roots. That's the bedrock, the foundation of policing. Intrusive police work is what curbs crime. And like you said, it's a silly piece of paper. If, if the people on the train actually knew that it means nothing, that paper is useless. You can wipe your ass with it. It means nothing. But yet, just the idea of receiving something, having to read it, and having to bear the responsibility that your name was documented somewhere may be enough for a percentage of people that, you know what? Next time I ride the train, I'm going to pay. Next time I ride the train, the gun I was carrying, I'm going to leave because now they actually stop you for fair invasion. I'm not going to piss in the corner, so now the train can go back to smelling good. Broken windows. You're 100% right. Broken windows, which is intrusive police work, which is, I like to call it, is what works. Omnipresence, omnipresence displays his crime. Intrusive police work actually deters it. So, you know what? Hats off for that. But 2021, we can't count it. I don't know how, we, I don't know how we're doing that. Let's uh, just cross that off the board. But it's still an important year. I mean, it's the year after COVID. I, I just don't understand what that like. Like, if I'm the chief of transit, I'm not doing that. Like, I'm just not doing. Like, what is the rationale behind? Oh, ridership was down. So, what are you trying to say? What What's your point? Because when he when he says that, and oh, well, ridership was down. It's not really fair to compare to that year because crime skyrocketed because ridership was down. So, are you telling us? That the police department has no effect on crime. That's what that's what I hear. I hear him saying the police department has no effect on crime. The more riders we have, the less crime that we have. The less riders we have, the more crime we have. So the police department, the transit system, did, the transit police didn't go inside for 2021. The transit police didn't work remotely for 2021. The transit police didn't fucking uh, have a hybrid schedule like Jamani Williams, who hasn't been in the office still since COVID. His office, his entire $5 million a year office is shut down this whole time. But that's another right-wing conspiracy lie that just happens when you call his office, nobody's there. And when you go there, nobody's there. But those are right-wing conspiracy theorists. You know, those are stuff you don't really want to talk about. You don't want to ask those questions. So, but is, that's what I'm hearing him say. I'm hearing him say that the police department have no effect on crime. And and that's and that's bullshit. And that's complete bullshit because I don't blame any of those transit cops because they were given orders to fucking stand down and be lampposts and just give omnipresence and not engage anybody. And that's what happened. And yes, you you instituted these bullshit old somethings that aren't even worth the paper they're written on. Um, but God bless the men and women that signed up for this job that actually do want to be cops because they're obviously people out there and they're obviously in the transit bureau and they're obviously out there engaging people and doing what they're, what they're asked to do, what they're told to do. And look what happens. It's a miracle. It's a fucking miracle. But I still say that message wrong. 21 at 21. No, it counts.
Oh, you're 100% right. They have to stop blaming ridership and blame the police department for their response. I would have more res respect for them if they said our response was ineffective. That's what good leaders do. You actually know yourself and you seek self-improvement. That was one of the leadership principles that I learned in the Marine Corps. And that goes for yourself or for an organization. You have to know the organization, identify it, and seek self-improvement. The New York City Police Department can easily say, hey, you know what? The, the style of policing that we uh, utilized was omnipresence in this particular era, and we found it was ineffective, or the, this was the uh, margin of error, uh, and we've now transitioned to broken windows, and we found that that's more effective. Now you're giving the public real information. These are facts. That's what we need to tell the public is the truth. We can't blame it on the ridership, right? If we have a neighborhood where we're, we're getting a, a, an abandonment, and we have a flight. People are leaving that neighborhood, and now there's less residents. Should we be, we should do we blame the residents now when there's more when there's more burglaries in these abandoned locations, or there's more robberies and there's more crime because we're losing the sense of community in this particular neighborhood, and it starts to get graffiti? Should we blame the residents that are still there that are holding on, or we blame the police department for an, an ineffective response? I, I think it's totally. It's it's an atrocity to blame the writers. Well, well, there's more writers going to be less crime. I mean, well, I, I don't believe that either because you're telling me that we have so all the people that we have in Times Square, we shouldn't have any crime then. If that's if that's the logic, Times Square is the most populated area, yeah. right? But yet we still have crime inside Times Square. Where's the logic? So yeah, I, I don't. There is no logic. I don't know. He just says ridership's down. Okay, so what is that? Ridership was down in 2021, so crime was up. So it's not fair. You're 100 percent right. <laughs> so we should have no crime in Times Square. It's flooded. You're 100 percent right. That's the same logic. There is no logic. There is no logic. You know, um, it's, it's absolute, absolute insanity. Speaking absolute. of logic. Can we talk about Chief Holmes being the, the, the chief of training at the police academy and her stance on the new standards for the New York City Police Academy? And this definitely coincides with an awesome picture that you put out today on Instagram. I love it. <laughs> Chuck, come on. This thing went viral, man. This is great, dude. Um, First, I just want to say about Chief Holmes is uh, I keep getting sent her arrest record. And oh, you did. there's nothing on it. <laughs> so, you know, people send around the Pat Lynch one with his like six collars or whatever. No one, I don't know where the Adams is one is. Um, that one I was it was floating around, I think, before he came, but it's not I don't know where it is anymore. <laughs> um the Chief Holmes one, it's pretty telltale, man, because there's nothing on. So, I mean, I'm reading it as she has zero collars and she's the chief of training zero arrest and i and i and i and i hear i hear a lot from people oh you know you can't judge anybody by the amount of arrest they have i agree to a point to a point i agree to a point you know you have to have made some arrests on the job i mean like if you didn't make any arrests and you made it to the rank of three-star chief there's something really really wrong in the new york city police department there's something really wrong. And, you know, uh, and then I was like, I, I, I said to somebody, I was like, well, well, 
maybe because she's a chief, you don't see it or whatever. And they're like, nah. And then they started sending other chiefs and you see their arrest record. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's a glitch in the system. Maybe you guys want to fix that, but it shows zero arrest. What do you think about that? If the chief of training has zero arrest? I think it's actually ridiculous. I think that we should measure police officers by the arrests that they make. I don't think we have to measure them 100% on just arrest. Yes, there's police officers that have 300 arrests. There's police officers that have 50. There's police officers that have... But you should have... There should be some type of percentage towards the amount of years you've been on the job if you're doing field work, especially if you're a chief. If you're going to be analytical about a police officer and they're going to be performing arrests, especially when they're new and they're going to be out there doing field work, you should have the basic understanding and the fundamentals of what an arrest is. I don't expect someone that is in a leadership position to be knowledgeable about every facet of the job. Especially, I don't expect a chief to know about narcotics if she wasn't there or or, or a gun suppression unit. I expect her to know how to lead it, but the basic foundation of every police officer to make arrests. So I do expect her that she had had some exposure to making arrests. And I don't know what the number is, but the number should be, it should be, it should be a percentage based on how many years on the job and what you were doing. But it should, we should focus some time on the job to making arrests. We all wear a gun belt, has cuffs, and that's a big part of policing. I mean, not everybody can do an inside job. I mean, what is her understanding of an arrest? Well, we clearly know that now because she thinks it's acceptable to be a brand new recruit in the police academy and not have to have a requirement to pass a run at a at a runtime that would be challenging because her perspective and her her logic is that you're never going to chase someone for a mile and a half. John, what do you think about that? Because I got I got a lot of thoughts on that. What do you think about that? I, I think it's obvious that she was never a proactive police officer. I think it was obvious that she's not been in stressful situations. I think it's very obvious that her thinking is very, very, very flawed. First off, I just want to back up a mile and a half in 14 minutes. You said, I think it was 12. I think it was 12 when we went through the academy. You had to do it in under 12. But I, now I hear it's under 14. Under so, so to put that in perspective, I want everyone to do it. Just... Go walk a mile and a half. You and your wife after dinner. You and your girlfriend, your boyfriend, whatever, your husband. Go take a walk after dinner. Set your stopwatch. Go on your phone. Set your clock. And just walk. So you hit a mile and a half. Put the, put some track on. You will walk a mile and a half in under 14 minutes if you walk at a normal pace. You don't have to jog. You don't have to do anything. I mean, I think that's a... I'm, I, I'm not kidding. Like, I wasn't kidding when I said it. I, like... I... I got pneumonia from COVID and I couldn't fucking walk up the stairs. I couldn't carry the groceries in. I was so weak. But if I had to, I could have walked a mile in 14 minutes. If I had to. I, I, want, I want you to give your perspective. Why do you think I have, I, I have my opinions? I would say she's, she's part right. We should not expect our police officers to actually chase them for a mile and a half. But that's not, that's not, she's obviously not getting the point. What is your perspective on why a mile and a half test or challenge is coincides with actually doing everyday police work? 
Why is it important? You and I know why it's important, but let's tell the public. Why is that important? All right. So before I say it, I just want to just preface it one other thing. There are times when you will have to run a mile and a half with a fucking gun belt on. But, but there are times when you have to run half a block. You're going to have to run 20 steps. You have a gun belt on. You have 50 pounds. You have a gun. You have a vest. You're in uniform. It's 96 degrees out. You're tired. You didn't sleep. You didn't eat. You've been at work for 10 days in a row. You're on about fucking, and now it's 10 days. You're on about 20 hours of sleep on the 10 days combined. You didn't sleep at all. You're shot. You're, you're mentally exhausted. And boom, your adrenaline kicks in. Whatever it is, maybe you're not chasing someone. Maybe you just got to get up the block because somebody got hit by the car or there was a car accident or whatever insanity in New York City streets going to happen. And you're going to boom, your adrenaline's going to dump. And as soon as your adrenaline dumps, your fucking heart's going to start boom and your blood's going to start pounding and your fucking cerebral cortex is going to shut down. And guess what's going to happen? Your fucking cardiovascular health is going to be tested immediately. You're going to start to get winded. I don't care if you're in tip-top shape. If you can't do a mile and a half, you can't go fucking stand at a parade during the summer. You can't go stand at the West Indian Day Parade. You can't go stand at the Thanksgiving Day Parade. You can't stand in perfect weather when it's a beautiful day out in New York City streets and you got your polyester uniform on and it's really not that bad that day and you don't have sweat just running down your body for 16 hours. It's not, you know, it's not in that. And so, yeah, maybe, maybe there's going to be people that never run a mile and a half, but you should at least be able to run a mile and a half because you you might have to you're going to get winded going up the stairs you if you can't run a mile and a half you're going to get winded going up one flight of stairs what if i call for help what if Eric calls for help what if your partner calls for help who's coming they're going to what they're going to wait you're going to wait for the elevator you're going to push the button you're 100% right my theory is this in order to be effective at any job or let, let's say for instance uh Let's talk about a, a, maybe a, a UFC fighter. The UFC fighter, in most cases, they fight three rounds. Each round is five minutes. That's 15 minutes. If they're in a championship fight, it's five rounds, five minutes apiece. That's 25 minutes. So according to her logic, an MMA fighter who's going to fight in a championship fight should only need to train 25 minutes. Because that's what the fight is going to be, 25 minutes. Now, this is a complete farce. We need to be pressure tested in training 100 times more than we actually produce in a real-life situation because we need to be ready for the challenge. And the idea should be let's sweat in peace and not bleed more. And even then, we're being pressure tested, but it's still never enough pressure. But we need to try to simulate that. So when someone is running a mile and a half and they're trying to run to a particular speed to beat something, they're getting challenged, they're building up their adrenaline, and there should be some stress and anxiety. This should simulate, it will never match it completely, but this should simulate 
Because if I'm running after a potential perpetrator, an adversary who has a gun in his hand, I'm going to feel anxiety and stress, and running is going to be more challenging. Running one block under those circumstances may feel as if I was running a mile and a half in the gym, being pressure tested for a time for a test. I could be just as you said. It doesn't necessarily mean running after a perpetrator, right? Maybe I was running to find my partner. We got lost. Maybe I was trying to get to a car accident. Maybe there's a riot and we ran out of cars and the traffic is so bad that it's faster me to run there than to get to than to get into a car. I would find that working on the Lower East Side all the time. Sometimes traffic was so bad, it was better that I would run to a location or I would hop on a bicycle. And I would be breathing heavy with a gun belt, thinking about getting to my men and women with this heightened vigilance that we have. You need that pressure testing. And you know what? I used to say it should be more than a mile and a half. When I was in the Marine Corps, you had to run three miles. You had to run three miles in 18 minutes to get a perfect score. And this, you can run a mile and a half in 14 minutes. I'm going to test it. I haven't tested myself, but I'm pretty sure I could walk at a slow pace. I could probably listen to a song and not stress. I don't even think I have to get my heart rate up to walk a mile and a half, 14 minutes. Have you tried it yet? I, I'm assuming probably just walk it at a leisurely pace. Oh, yeah. I, uh, Anthony Weaver, I was just I was looking for his text because he said he responded to a, a tweet that me and you were, were talking about. We were on some thread and Anthony said Anthony Weaver uh, is the host of Dykonos, a cops calling podcast. Eric was just on it. I was on it in the past. Uh, great guy. Good cop. Pennsylvania cop. He was Lancaster PD. Great guy. He moved on from there. He, he works in a small town now. He's got a great podcast if you guys want to check it out. But he said this. If you can't complete a 1.5-mile run in 14 minutes, you lack the mental fortitude and strength to be a police officer. It's that simple. And I think he nailed it. I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't even need to have another thought about that. Like, that's, that is my thought going forward. Like, that, that, like it, 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 it says everything right there. You don't have the mental fortitude to fight through doing a normal routine that, like, anyone in, in, in – in not in not great health, in mediocre health, in mediocre, maybe even maybe even below mediocre health should be able to accomplish. But we're gonna let someone without the mental or fortitude or the physical strength step in. And again, I think that's leading us down a bad, bad, bad path mentally. You know, I you know, I, I, I we we just talked about it earlier, right? Would like what what's your what's your outlet you know you work all the time you're under stress you scrutinize every which way to sunday my outlet was always hit the gym go for a walk go for a run it still is man i wake up in florida sometimes i'm like how the fuck did i get here why didn't i finish out the last two years of my career why am i not getting the fucking variable when all these other jerk offs are getting it you know, fucking why am I not on the captain's list when I see all these other fucking clowns on it? Like all these other, all these things, like what, what do I do? I go to the gym, like, ah, I run, I work out, I do push-ups in my garage, whatever I do. I mean, I'm sure it's the same for you, Eric. Oh, everybody needs an outlet. I always had an outlet when I was on the job. You know, I, was, I wasn't a big weight guy, but I did like to work out. I did a lot of calisthenics. My outlet was boxing, doing jujitsu, wrestling, Probably got that was my outlet. You always need to get you need to have some hobbies. 
get your mind focused on something else. You need to get out that primal aggression, get out that anxiety. Every man needs a release. I think you had sent me a video, it's so true, about young men, young boys, they need a release. Young boys up to manhood. We need to release the energy. We need to release these thoughts. It's good It's good for your health, anxiety. Uh, you know, everyone needs an outlet. And I do think that if we have, we push more of an outlet, it will definitely alleviate some of these suicides. It's not going to stop. We have a lot of work to do. And that's why also at the same token, I want to reach out to the police officers that are out there right now, my cops that are out there, any rank. If you're on the verge and you're having those troubled thoughts and God forbid that you're thinking about taking your life, I know there's a stigma on the job and you can't reach out to people. But you know what? This is the first opportunity with both former lieutenants. We were on the job. I took a seminar with Papa, you know, learning what questions to ask to help people. You can reach out to us. We will help you. 100% this is confidential. It's not affiliated with the job. I, I I don't get paid for this, John, either, but you can reach out to us if you just want to talk. We talk to many people offline. I, I'd be more than happy to shoot the shit we would, uh, you know, and, tr and try to help in any way. I, I will say this. Please, I've heard this before, and I do believe in this. Just say to yourself, one more. It could be one more hour, one more day, one more minute. Just push yourself. You know what? I need to be alive one more minute. And you know what? After that one minute, it could be another minute. I think small steps lead to bigger goals. You know, sometimes I I, I, I learned that in the Marine Corps, and I like to continue that in my life, and that really helps. You know, they would say if you look at the big picture, let's say, um, you know, there's so many tasks that you have to get done within one day. If you look at that giant amount of tasks, you're going to be overwhelmed, and you'll end up doing nothing. So they would say live breakfast. Breakfast to lunch, lunch to dinner, and dinner to bed. So just think about what's in front of you. Get to that point and then worry about the next step. And it's the same thing. If you're on the verge, if you want to kill yourself, just say one more. One more day because the next day may be a better one. And if the next day you're hurting, one more day and you can do it. One more. That's what I got to say. Just one more. You count. Your life is important. Yeah, we're going to have a wellness for warriors on. We just haven't been able to schedule it. Uh, we just both been swamped, but we're definitely going to have them on. They're a good outlet. They're a totally anonymous outlet as well, if you don't want to talk to me and Eric. Uh, but I did talk to somebody recently, and they were going through it. They're going through divorce, um, ton of shit on the job, ton of shit, um, out of shape, um, really not in a good way. And he told me, I just want to start over. And I was like, okay, so start over right now. Start over right now. You could start your day over right now because I truly do. I truly believe that. It's one thought could change your whole life, right? He, the kid used to work out a long time ago. He was an athlete. He let himself go. He got caught up in family life and all this stuff. And a lot of things broke that relationship, right? And whatever happened, you can't go backwards, right? But what could you do? You could go forward. I'm like, start Start working out today. Don't wait. Start working out today. Tomorrow, work out, right? By next week, I guarantee you feel better. Start eating better. Focus on that. Focus on yourself right now. Just focus on the things you could control, right? You can't control the job and what's going on, but you can, 
right? If it gets to the point where you can no longer do this job, you get, you feel like you're going to hurt yourself and you there's no outlet and you're hopeless. Start over, man. I did it. I'm living. I'm here. I'm here. I, you I know, can't believe it. I didn't. I didn't need. You know. I didn't. I didn't need. I didn't need the NYPD. I have no check coming in. I have no uh, health benefits. I'm alive. I'm living well. I actually live better than I did when I when I was making a lot of money for the NYPD. So I, uh, you know, you could find things to do. You know, I have a mediocre job now. It pays the bills. I'm able to sit here and talk shit. I don't give a fuck. You know, it is. It is what it is. <laughs> I don't care. You know. You know, you you mentioned something. I I really believe that's a huge factor. You said. You know, you were telling this person that they have to work out. I think exercise is huge. I think that even though it's a fizzle act, I think it goes hand-to-hand with your mental state. And, you know, it's the same thing. You know, that's why I tell Chief Holmes, it's important that our cops challenge themselves and they do a mile and a half. Besides, you know, the mental fortitude that they learn when they're out in the street, but just the idea that you can handle a challenge, I think is, you know, it, it, it is healthy for, for your mindset positive that you know that you can overcome something i mean if if so where is there i mean what would be the point of because your family's coming to honor you for the great lengths that you took in becoming a new york city police officer but if the standards are so low that anybody could do it why would your family come and see you walk across the stage where's the pride well anybody could do it right we shouldn't want it to be standards where anybody could do it because it should be a sense of pride. To this day, I have tattoos all over my body because I'm proud that I served in the Marine Corps because not everyone can become a Marine. You can be communicated to something that's extremely challenging. The New York City Police Department should be the same way. It should be a challenge to become a New York City Police officer. And the other thing that you said I really agree with is diet. We need to start having education on this job about dieting, and I used to, I've been saying this for years. We, every precinct should have their own cafeteria because most cops, especially those that are working on midnights and certain particular areas based on the demographics, don't have the outlets for healthy food. It's unfortunate, but some of our areas with urban decay, we don't have access to healthy area uh, places to eat. It's mostly fast food. Places are closed, and they end up eating at a vending machine or Dunkin' Donuts. We need to have cafeterias in every precinct where we have healthy food. Because if you have a healthy diet, your energy levels, positive thinking, I do think that attributes to a better cop. We need balance. Exercise, a good diet plan, and good sleep. Obviously, they're not getting good sleep because the amount of hours they're overworked, they're burning the candle on both ends. I mean, John, think about it. I, I know... There's sometimes I say I want to have a, ch- a cheat day, but in the end, I, I feel like I only cheated myself. I'm like, you know what? Today I'm going out. I'm eating McDonald's. I don't care. I'm having a couple of burgers, and I'm so excited. And I, and I, and I eat like that. I'll go out and have some pizza. And by the end of the day, I feel terrible. I feel sluggish. I kind of feel mentally deteriorated compared to the, a, another day. If I woke up and I had like a big salad, you know, with some grilled chicken or a steak, and then later on maybe have a couple of strawberries, you know, and, and, and something healthy, you feel positive. You feel great. I feel like my mind is more alert. My uh, mind is more alert. What, what do you think? You feel the same things I do? Oh, 100%. I mean, as I get older, I feel it a lot more. Like the stuff I put in really matters now. You know, it's it's definitely, it's def- like I'm definitely starting to change now. 
Um, so I definitely feel it a lot more now, you know, I definitely feel a lot tired like, I don't, I'm not as like, when I go to the gym, I'm not like as raw. It takes me a while to get into it now where I never was, I never really had that problem. I could go out drinking the night before and wake up, go to the gym and feel great, you know? Um, so like things like that are happening, but I really do. I really feel like, I really feel like you're eliminating this run you're bringing in more people that don't work out into this high stress, physically demanding profession, it will lead to more suicide. Like that's just, I just think it's, it's, it's such a failure on so many levels. And, and again, I go back to the logic. What is the logic behind it? I know they're trying to get more people, but is it the right logic using the same statement that she made? Cops don't chase anybody for a mile and a half. How many people shoot somebody on this job? How many people? 99, probably 99.5% of everyone that has a 20-year career or more in the NYPD does not shoot somebody. They do not use that firearm. They do not pull the trigger. It's a very, very, very small percentage. So based on her, based upon her logic, why do you need a gun? Why would you even go to the gun range and why would you have to qualify? You're 100% oh, right. No, we don't, yeah, we don't have to qualify either. That's, and and by the way, I'm hearing shit about that too. That the fucking, it's like they're fucking pushing people through with that shit too. And that's why, again, I want to I want to go back to uh, pride. And I hope you agree, but I agree. What would be the point of having a graduation or having your family come see you walk across the stage or see you throw your hat in the air when you didn't face any challenges? Where's the pride? Yeah, nothing good comes easy. There's no comfort. It's it, it, there's no success in comfort. There's only success in discomfort. And if you're not being challenged, there's no discomfort. There's just no discomfort. You're not getting over any obstacles. And if you're not being challenged in, in, in the academy, how are you going to face uh, adversarial things when you're a New York City police officer and you have to face challenges and obstacles? How are you going to be a critical thinker? How are you going to be pressed and pressure tested and you weren't pressure tested before? How are we going to apply this ideology in, 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 in real life? Yeah, I mean, you're not even tough enough to get through a mile and a half run. And then I that was only one job I was talking about, you know, and Eric gave a, a like a really small number there when he said you're probably going to deal with 10 of those jobs. I, I think more than likely you're going to deal with over 20 jobs a day like that. And then oh, that's going to pile up. And then in a month time frame, you're going to have responded to hundreds of jobs like that and all of that scrutiny hanging over your head. But you're going to have the years behind you of all the stuff that you dealt with behind you that you're going to have to deal with. So it's all the weight and the pressure. And you're not going to be able to do that if you're physically weak and you're mentally weak. You're just not going to be able to do it. And then again, if you don't work out and you can't complete this run, more than likely you will have a hard time in the street too. People are going to test you. People are going to, there's going to be more instances where people resist arrest when it times for arrest situation. There's going to be more instances of people not calming down when you show up to that scene, not working out, not being able to complete a mile and a half run in 14 minutes is first of all, it's fucking pathetic. And you are not the finest and you do not deserve to be called the finest. And even if you do, you more than likely don't deserve that title. So (laughs) 
you more than likely do not deserve that title. So, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just one physical attribute. You have the mental, the emotional, the uh, critical thinking skills capable. Those all come into play, but that's just such a very basic thing physically. Um, It's, it's, it's honestly, honestly, like she should get kicked out of a spot right there. They should tell her, go back to the job that, uh, that kicked you out from that. (laughs) Because I honestly, I was, I like it's a failure. It's chief of training. I don't even think she should be the assistant chief of training. Um, well, it sounds like she's a training herself. She clearly yeah. doesn't. She she hasn't made any collars. Her logic is completely off base. We she, I mean, her statements speak volumes to me. One hundred percent. It's indicative that she's never actually done any real police work. Absolutely. Did not never had that adrenaline dump. Never confronted people on the street, um, you know. And yeah, we'll hear that they oh, nice, nice. She's great. I don't care. Doesn't matter to me. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about what, what, what kind of person she is. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the t- the title of chief of training. What do you expect from that? That's what we're talking about. And the same thing with the police commissioner because. I put out a tweet about the assessment and standards unit. And I got all this stuff. Oh, the police commissioner doesn't want that. The police commissioner. I'm like, she's the fucking boss. I don't want to hear nothing about anything else. She's the boss. If if uh, Phil Banks, who, you know, on social media, every politician basically, without saying he's the police commissioner, addresses him with all the things they need from the police department instead of the police commissioner. If he's the boss, then she should fucking step down. I don't care. I don't care that she's a nice girl. I don't have to preface everything with it. I don't really give a fuck. I already said that I believe that she's inexperienced. As, as I, I don't believe that I believe there were a lot more people in the NYPD that could have held that title of police commissioner. And there were a lot more people outside of the NYPD that could have held that title. She's a young executive. That's how I feel about it. There are sergeants on this job that have more experience than she does. And, and that's just a fact. She was in a smaller department. She did not work for this massive, large yeah. organization and doesn't understand the ins and outs of it. This unit was created under her watch during a suicide crisis, during a mass exodus, during a time when morale is on the floor. I mean, the, and, and, and it's, just, it's, it's just one more of those things, like this ignorant statement from the chief of training. Cops don't run a mile and a half. It's like... What do you even talk? What do you like? You don't run a mile and a half. That's why you, she runs a mile and a half. She works out, but she won't run a mile and a half for the job. She'll only do it working out. I mean, I know she does it on the job because that, you know, she works out on the job because some people got it like that, you know, but you know, the, the majority is don't you working out at home? You're doing what I'm doing. You're working out in the garage because I still work out in my garage because I don't want to take a dumbbell off the head because I, I fucking million people hate me. I don't like, you know, I can't, I can't just walk into a gym and be like, oh yeah, put my head down, start benching. I can't do that. I can't go on and run on a treadmill, take my back to everybody. No, I can't do it. So I, I work out in my garage after work, before work, you know, well, I work out in this shitty ass priest gym. That's disgusting. Like the rest of you, you know, <laughs> I think that when we're too easy on people, we're actually doing more harm than good. I, I, th- I think that we're- not only are we doing injustice to the community by putting out potentially cops that are just un- unprepared, we're hurting people out there that have an opportunity. If there's a young man or woman out there that wants to become a cop, that wants to challenge, that wants to be proud of something, they're going to be very disappointed if they have loose standards 
the standards are lowered, that's going to hurt them as well. They're going to ask themselves, why are they taking this profession? Why are they putting themselves in this position? There's going to be no reward. We want challenges. People people forget that. You know, when I went to the Marine Corps or other kids went to other branches, when you sit down with the recruiter, recruiter you watch a, a video, right, of what it's like to be in the military. And I'm surprised, too, because in the police department, they have a hero's video, right? And a lot of it, yes, is shaking hands. But the end of that video, if you remember, is cops jumping out of helicopters, chasing perps down in housing, is doing the action stuff. It's the challenges. That's the stuff that makes our blood boil. That's the stuff that we want to do. People don't admit it. And Chief Holmes knows that deep down in her heart, that people want to be challenged. They want to earn something. They want to be proud of something. But if you go through an academy and it's a joke, well, that's how you're going to treat it. You're not going to take it seriously. You're going to enter into, even if it's, even if you're one of these people that can't pass it, you're not going to take it seriously either because you're going to know that, hey, if the standards were legit and they were at where they were supposed to be, that you don't deserve to be there and you have more work to do. No, we're just rolling the ball back and forth. That's the new sports. We just roll the ball back and forth. Nobody wins. <laughs> nobody loses. I got my kids in karate, like in basic karate, like just throw punches, throw kicks, because they're just getting to the age where they just don't listen to me anymore, right? Like I just can't get them to right. do – I can't – so I have someone else do it, right? So they're in like basic karate, and they get their yellow belt, and they're all happy and excited. I'm a yellow belt, and I'm like, you suck. I'm like, I would have never gave you that belt. That I was like, if you go to a, if you go to a school – where they have actually test people to get a yellow belt, where they where they make them earn it. I'm like, I don't see that. I was like, I, I told them all the parts. I think your punches are weak. I think your kicks are weak. I don't think you stand correctly. I don't think you move correctly. There's so many basics for you to get the belt that I don't think that you've learned in the school. That if you go to a school that's much harder and you stand up with a yellow belt, they're going to drop you in one, <laughs> one fucking thing because they're pushed harder. You know, they earn that. You know, you're, you didn't earn this. You were given. It. There's a difference. You know, there's a huge difference. And, and what we're doing is we're, we're giving our cops a uniform, a badge, and a gun. They're not earning that uniform, that badge, and a gun. And it's a fucking failure. Isn't that part of the model? Enter to learn and go forth to serve, right? Yep. Enter to learn. What are, you, what are you learning when you're not being challenged? What are you learning? You can't expect it to be easy because now you will put these cops out with a badge and a gun out in the real world where they're going to be tested and they're unprepared, not ready. We're sending them to their own death, if you ask me. I mean, I mean, at this point, I think we're rolling the dice. Even with all these car stops, with, with everything that's going on, interactions in the street, I think, you know, unfortunately, and I'm not saying that you guys aren't good cops, a lot of you, I know a lot of you are, but... The, the, the tools that were removed from you to keep yourself safe, such as tossing everyone in a fucking car, pulling everyone out, tossing the trunk, tossing the glove box, all of these tools, like when you smell marijuana and all these different searches. And now I think you have the fucking, you have to ask someone when you have reasonable suspicion. I don't even know how they changed the stop thing because it was just ridiculous. And I was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm not stopping anybody anymore. I'm fucking done. Um, but all these tools that were moved to you, we're rolling the dice. So I really think that if you're staying safe out there, you're violating that patrol guide every chance you get. Because I would. 
I'll tell you right now, I would, because you know what? I don't want to get shot in my face. I'm not looking for a bag of weed. I'm not looking for a bag of Coke. I just don't want to get shot in my face. That, and and I, I told that line to a million people. They're like, yo, man, what do you do? What do you do? What are you doing? I'm like, I'm not trying to get shot in my face tonight. Oh, okay. And they understood it. You know, I don't give a fuck what else you got in your pocket. I just want to make sure you don't got no gun and a fucking knife and you're good. And then we could talk like gentlemen. You know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. and, 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 you know, I probably violated fucking God only knows like what, what, what rules I violated in that part, but it is what it is. You're in a dangerous situation. You have limited information. You're trying to do your job. You're not out there to affect the rest, but if you just got a call, someone got robbed and this guy fits the exact description to a T and he's actually a little weird. And you're like, Oh, this is the guy. This is the guy. I mean, 90 fucking 5% of the times that's going to be a guy. There's going to be that 5% of the time when it's, that's not your guy. Like, it's like, oop, wrong guy. Happens, you know? Yeah. Oh. You know? <laughs> it, it happens, so yeah. You know, so. And, and, but the New York City Council and the Civilian Complaint Review Board doesn't believe that there's room for error when it comes to New York City police officers. Again, he's supposed to be the most perfect human being and do every stop that comes out with a positive outcome. And when I say positive outcome, I mean that there's actual results to make an arrest that the person didn't meet the parameters for probable cause. But for me, I always felt a positive outcome meant that the police officer walks away safe and the person that was either brought into custody or left that encounter walked away safely as well. To me, that's a positive outcome. If I encounter someone and I believe that they're in possession of a legal firearm, I conduct the stop and it leads to uh, negative results and it was actually a phone or some other uh, obtrusive object and they walk away safe and so do I, that's a positive outcome. But when it comes to New York City Council Civilian Complaint Review Board, their positive outcome is, oh, they were in possession of the firearm. And that's, that's not the case. That police work uh, case law was not is not built on opinion pers- pers- uh, perspective. It's, ba- you know, a, a post an incident. It's based on real time of what's happening and the the uh, the parameters of what the police officer suspects, what they indicate in real time. Yeah, it's uh, their whole thing, though, with, with broken windows and with what you just said, like, oh, yeah, everybody's positive outcome, right? They got away. What what city council and and the, these anti-cop organizations will all say to you, like Cop Watch, they'll say that caused harm to the black and brown community, but they cannot explain what that harm is. You know, I don't understand how that caused harm if I because I again I got stopped a million times when I was a kid. If I didn't get arrested or get a summons that day, I didn't really have harm. I was like, ah, you know, uh, whatever. Like, you know. Sometimes they were right. Sometimes they were wrong. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I don't know what harm that caused. Um, I think we, so well, we, we, didn't talk about, we, we didn't talk about the city council hearing at all. And we're going on two hours and 20 minutes. So I guess. What oh, shit. Doing. I didn't even realize. Wow. Yeah. Damn. All right. So you know what? I guess we could we could always say for next time, unless you want to talk about it a little bit. I don't know. Another, I think we got another five minutes. What do you think? Yeah, you know what? I mean, we could we could do a real brief, but like you know, at the end of the day, you know, I, I I think I said it. The police department doesn't go. City council's calling to disband you. You have these left wing agitators there. You probably have 
a handful of people that actually think they're on a righteous mission and think you guys are out there beating people up for no reason. I don't think there was many of them there at that, at that thing, but you have to think there's some people there that believe they're on a righteous mission. Um, and I mean, at the end of the day, NYPD doesn't go there. They don't go there at all. Nobody's there. Um, and it's just a slugfest on the NYPD. Uh, Councilman Joanne, Councilwoman Joanne Ariola, she gave a speech, whatever. She supports the cops, blah, 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 blah. You know, she loves Eric Adams and Phil Banks. And, uh, and then Holden, same thing. Holden actually asks the one part I do want to play. Let me just play this one part. There's one part I want to play. This is the exchange between Holden and CCRB. This is a telltale about CCRB. Um, and I hope this is it. I hope this is it. This should be the head of CCRB, the chairperson, and Bob Holden asking her a question. And, and we had some hearings in the last council um, after the riots. And uh, I just remember when the police did testify, I, I asked uh, Commissioner Shea at the time, how many police officers were hurt during the riot? They, he said nearly 400. Um, also, we had 350 police cars that were damaged. 15 were set afire. And about $1.1 million uh, damage. Do you take into consideration, and I've been in, in a riot before, so I understand what it's like, where people are coming at you from different directions and things are being thrown, and it's just mayhem. And, and how people react is very different when it's a, like a free-for-all, essentially. So with 2,000 arrests, in some of those riots and some of the video that I've seen, and you have access to video, do you kind of um, judge where the situation is out of control and human beings act differently both on, on both sides, that there are situations where self-preservation kicks in. Um, do you take that into consideration uh, in your, your agency? Um, let me answer that first and I'll have uh, John respond. First of all, as uh, members of the CCRB, um, as I mentioned already before, um, <clears throat> there's 15 members, five that are appointed by the mayor, five by this, by this, own, this body itself, um, the three that are designated by the police com commissioner, one appointed by the public advocate, and one that's jointly approved by the chair. We do not make judgments. We have a team of uh, investigators who are trained, who look at body-worn camera footage, who do interviews, who um, do very extensive work, and it's presented to us. And based on the um, police patrol guide, we, there's a recommendation that's made to us about whether the case is substantiated, and then we vote as a panel on that. Um, it is uh, something that is, that is uh, presented and vetted to us. It is not based on our personal opinions. Um, and so that's not what we bring in, into this, to this case. So we look at it as um, based on how police officers are interacting with the community and if there is abuse, if there is excessive use of force, if there's offensive language or, there dis or there's um, um, uh, other uh, issues that are at play, that is, what we're, that is what we're making our recommendation on. So it's not based on um, a, a, a given situation, but by the evidence that's presented. So it's not based on, if I'm getting bricks thrown at me or, or firebombs thrown at me, and uh, there's no situation where self-preservation kicks in, it's just sort of, you know, let, don't curse at me 
or don't, don't, don't uh, speak to me disrespectfully. And it's, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get the situation that you have to take in everything that's going on, not just an isolated incident. So, like, what was the situation at the time? Were the, were the police under attack? Were, were cars being burned? Were, were pro was property being damaged? Uh, th this all has to be taken into consideration. That's all I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So, and, I just, and I do want to, please, to, please. to restate, it's the Civilian Complaint Review Board. So what we are looking at is, is when a civilian is, interacts with the police department and they feel as if their rights were, it is Thank about, our, our work is about the civilian. I just Thank want to you. underscore that. So, I mean, right then and there, I mean, that was the last part. I should have just clipped out that last 30 seconds. But if you guys are still listening, what, you, what she says is, they do not look at the totality of the circumstances. They only care what the complaint is that the civilian made, and they try to prove it. That's basically what she says. Well, that's what we learned last month. When you and I, via the civilian meeting, that's exactly what we heard from the panel back then. And this just solidifies it now because you and I were explaining to the public that that's what we heard is that their job is they're not looking to investigate and find an outcome where the investigation leads them, is that they're finding the cop guilty because they're supporting the civilian complainant, and once they find them guilty, they then refer to a patrol guide, and then the, the patrol guide gives them the allotment to take the action that they took, and then they unfortunately cannot proceed further with a substantiated complaint. And that's exactly what we're hearing, just in a different manner. It's the same thing. Their job is to prove the police wrong. And what he was saying was the totality of services has to be important. And she said, no, it doesn't matter the cop is getting bricks thrown at him. We don't look at that. That's what she just said. We look at how the civilian felt. Hey, you know what? While the cop was getting bricks in his face, he hit me with a baton. But I didn't like that. That hurt. But we're not going to look at the, the brick hitting the cop in the face. We're just going to look at the baton hitting the civilian talk about a mirage absolutely i mean that and and you're 100% right that's exactly what that lady said this is the civilian complaint review board we only care about the civilian's viewpoint we do not want the police here there was one tonight we we unfortunately missed it they notified us like right before it was happening um, I, I just wasn't able to do it either was Eric. Um, and then, you know, we, we, we've had the show planned already. It, it was what it was. Um, but we will be going to other ones in the future, but she, but that's where that comes from. She's the head, she's the chair of CCRB, Oliver Rice. Um, and that's where, you know, the other girl was her underling and she said the same exact thing. This is the civilian complaint review board. So yeah, they don't care that bricks were being thrown June 4th, 2020. They don't care that a wheelbarrow was being picked up and thrown at people. They don't care that urine was being thrown by professional agitators at the police to cause chaos. They only care what those professional agitators from Ohio said Eric did to them. That's it. They don't care about anything else. I shared it. I haven't heard boo from the unions. Not, but I would think if you were a police union, we have so many, ins we have inspectors down to cops who are facing charges right now as we speak. I would think they would be all over that statement. I know you don't like me. That's fine. Don't use my tweet. 
just go to that. Just I, I gave you the stuff. You go to the go to the, go to the access. It's public information. Pull the video, not off my Twitter. Pull it off the song. Pull it off of the public access on CCRB and go to town. I don't understand what is going on, Eric. I really don't. Like, I like you. I like you. <laughs> I like, well, that's why, you know what? We had an opportunity, and when we spoke to Corey Grable, that's why we asked him, you know, what's his stance as civilian complaint review board? How would they represent their members? Do they feel that that three- to five-minute window that they have with the attorney is appropriate enough? We asked about the discipline matrix. And to Corey Grable's credit, he was there. He had an opportunity to answer those questions. That's why Pat Lynch has to come on. He knows the questions that he's going to have already. He's well-prepared. Let us know what your plan is, how you're going to represent your members with the Civilian Complaint Review Board in a time of scrutiny, micromanagement, and fear, and you're expected to do intrusive police work with this broken windows with all this with this big monkey on your back. How are you going to represent your members? Not just a two-year contract. There's other factors of what it takes to be a New York City police officer. Yes, you have to have money in your pocket, but also with money in your pocket, you have to have a comfortable and a work environment that you're proud of that you want to come back to. hundred percent. So uh, any, any last thoughts? It's, it's two hours, 30 minutes. I don't want to go too much longer. I mean, I don't want people to lose interest in it. And uh, you know, we, we keep them, we got a ton of stuff coming up. So screw the CCRB, screw this whole panel. They didn't prove one thing in that whole SRG thing at all. There wasn't one point given. And my last point on it is that the CCRB couldn't tell any difference between SRG and a regular cop in that riot. So there was no difference in the amount of CCRBs given to the SRG unit that was given to the members of PSA4, the transit district or, or patrol personnel. Zero difference. Like there was none. Because, again, we're a reactive agency. So that it's not this uh, brutal agency that's suppressing free speech. They prove that. They prove that part. So if, if they're able to disband SRG, then they are able to disband the entire police department because they didn't give one shred of evidence. And, you know, that was my take on the whole thing. It's just another systematic approach to abolishing the police. And, again, if, if SRG is disbanded, Eric Adams is the leftist progressive that I said he was, except he, he just paints it a lot better than the rest of them. Uh, I think we definitely hit it home. All I want to say is thank you, everyone, for listening. We are on your side, the side of truth. That's what we're here. We're here to represent and be proud for the cops and actually speak out the truth of what's going on in the New York City Police Department as we speak, as it's going on today. Here to highlight the truth. And most importantly right now is we highlight what's going on with mental health. And if everything we spoke about in the past couple of weeks, I think what's most dear to me for everyone else is mental health. I want to see these young men and women on the job prosper and do well in their lives. Reach out to us if you want to speak. Please, don't take your own life. It's a horrible thing. One more. One more. That's all I say. One more day. One more hour. One more minute. Yeah, and just uh, something that I always would read when I was getting scrutinized a lot. I'll, I'll leave you guys with this. I appreciate everybody tuning in. But it's something I always read. I still read the same quotes over and over again. I listen to the same motivational videos over and over again. I started sharing them on my social media, but I do it. And then I find new ones, and then I'll throw those into my thing. But one thing I always put in, and like, if you don't like what me and Eric are saying, that's fine. 
because guess what? We now are the critics. You know what I mean? We are the critics. Um, we're not in, we're not in the mix. So like there's shit that we're going to miss, right? There's shit. We're not going to have that intricate knowledge on anymore because there's just stuff we don't know about because we're not doing it any longer. Or maybe we do. And you just don't feel like that because you're in the trenches. So I just read this. So I'm going to leave you guys with this. It's uh, it's not the critic who counts. It's not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again, because there is no effort without error or shortcoming. But who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly, so that this his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. Theodore Roosevelt, 1910, that's you guys, that's a police officer. 265 Police Live, New York's finest retirement on Filter Podcast. We'll be back at you very shortly.